Free Talk Live. We are here at Rogers Campground Port Fest, Porcupine Freedom Festival, day number four, I believe it is. Uh, it's, it's easy to lose track of the days when you're here in the mountains and there, you don't have to be at work. You don't really have a schedule to stick to. The closest thing I have to a schedule is that at some point during the day, I have to wander down to the FTL site and I have to record a show. And after that, I can do whatever. And before that, I can do whatever. So it's a very loose schedule. And it was really weird yesterday when I was planning to do the show. Yesterday we did She Talk Live here topless. And a few people who were involved in that wanted to like nail down an exact time to be here. They're like, okay, so we're starting at 11. I'm like, oh, let's call it 11 libertarian time, right? Like sometime between 11 and 5 in the afternoon is when I will be down there. So that that's all I can say for sure because I'm going to wander off and because there's always something going on here. It's, it's, and it's the worst event possible for someone with ADHD. And I don't have ADHD, but I can only feel, I feel so bad for anyone who does because they might try going to one place and they get pulled off into a completely different location. And this is what happens to me with just people stopping to talk to me or to you know pet my dog. It takes forever for me to walk from one place to the other but i love it i love the pork and my freedom festival and we are here for three more days until sunday the 25th so come hang out with us i am a bit hoarse as you're hearing my allergies or my sinuses are a bit messed up because i got hit in the eye earlier and that was super unpleasant i don't even know what happened because it all happened so quickly i was just minding my own business getting out of the car and chaos erupted and i got hit in the eye with something i i want to say it was the dog but I'm not 100% sure. It may have been the person who almost walked into us. So something hit me in the eye, and it's got me really messed up. But I'm joined now by Jason Henza, who was, I, I'm calling him the anarchist superstar, because it reminds me of the Marilyn Manson album, Antichrist Superstar, which is, of course, a play on the Christian film, Jesus Superstar. None of that's relevant. Anyway, you were in the HBO series, The Anarchist. Last time we had you on the show, you were... You had mentioned that the show was coming, but it hadn't actually been released yet. So thank you for joining us today. What's that been like, the reception? Because I know you said something about it on social media at one point, how it was suddenly you were, everyone was talking about you, right? So, so what was that like as the person who went through it? I mean, you mentioned in The Anarchist what it was like to go through that, but what was it like to go through that, through that sudden rise of fame that seemed to happen as a result of the HBO series? Well, I had prepared myself before the HBO series, um, uh, even before I talked to anybody, talked to the cameras, talked to any of that, I thought about whether or not it was a good idea to talk to these cameras after I was shot. There was no interest in me uh, for the HBO series uh, until I was shot and my friend was murdered right before so, me and stuff uh, like that. My friend was shot and before I even put on a mic and talked to the cameras or anything like that, I thought to myself, I don't want anything to do with this. I, I, I don't really want to... I can imagine it must have been a traumatic experience. You yeah. know, I mean, you were also your friend was shot and killed, but you were also shot three times. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, Jesus, my right arm man. wasn't working. I still have a bullet in my chest, and um, yeah, I just that's I, hardcore, dude. I, I didn't want anything to do with it, and I had to think about whether or not I wanted to um, to actually give this story to the world because. When you're on television, when you do these kinds of things, your story no longer belongs to yourself. Your privacy goes away, and everybody just gets to choose who you are from that point forward. Whatever they see, they, they look through like a little tiny straw, and they decide who you are from that moment on. So, And they base this on you know the, the 15 minutes per episode or whatever that you're in of the anarchist. So they don't even get a full picture. They get a very tiny picture of you. Right. So it, it's an absolutely wild ride. 
uh, a lot of men who went through I, what I went through reached out right away and they talked to me and I, I got m- like a million messages. It took me about three months to catch up with everybody. I can imagine. I, yeah, I replied to everybody who wasn't absolutely insane. Okay, they, there That's were good. some. Yeah, there were some people that decided to let me know that they were happy that I got shot. That I was. Um, Jesus Christ! What is wrong with? I mean, well, I sort of see the same thing yeah, on it, social media. Yeah, but. it's it's a social media thing. They're completely disconnected with who I am, and my story's just out there. So yeah, but to I, tell someone that, that you're happy they got shot. Yeah, that's that's certified. That's psychopathic. Well, they they want people who think like me to be dead, but they're only assuming how I think. They don't really know how I think and who I am as an individual and stuff like that. So, they're they're just going generally because that's the best thought that they can form. Because a lot of people don't think things through all the way and and identify with the individual first. So, yeah, I got a lot of weirdos that you know were happy that I was shot, happy that my wife left me. I deserved everything I got just because I want freedom and and stuff like that. And then there are a lot of men out there who reached out and wanted to talk about it and get through it because they were going through the same things. They wanted to know how I was doing and um, how can they get through it, what were some of the things I did and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, gosh, it felt like I I went through a few thousand men that just had that kind of thing. And then um, tons of positive responses. A lot of people surprised that I even had a story at all because most people, you know, just know me from online and they didn't even know I had a story at all. So it was, uh, it it was quite an experience, but I I had taken all that into account even before I put on the camera or put on the mic and talked to the camera in the first place. I I thought, okay, this is no longer going to belong to me. So everything that everybody said, I never took anything personal. I just, that's Tried good. to do the best I could to, you know. So it's been a year and a half or so since the series was released. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I believe you called into the show right afterward and w- while we were reviewing it and talking about it. And you said, I, if I remember correctly, that you felt it was relatively fair now that the entire series is available on Max because no corporation is happy with its name and it wants to change its name. And HBO did that. Now they're just HBO. Now they're just Max for whatever retarded reason. Do you feel that the series as a whole was fair? Because my understanding of it, at the way that they portrayed things, at the end I was like, yeah, this guy definitely stepped on the feet of the drug cartels and that's, that, that's why they took him out. That's the impression that I got. For, I don't know that that's true or not. That's just based on what the series seemed to say. That, that seemed to be what they were, the narrative they were trying to peddle. It, well, I don't think that they were trying to peddle. I think that they had a lot of forces working against the docuseries crew who had complete control, but they had lawyers, they had the industry, they even had to sue the industry to get people on site to actually work with us and, and do the sound and the lighting and everything like that. So uh, it was a very complicated situation for them, and there were pitfalls everywhere legally for them, and there were people coming out talking about lawyers and all that other kind of stuff to them. So they had to avoid anything that would become detrimental to the launch of this, and then even after the completion, they had to protect the wealth or, or any kind of payment they may have received from this and stuff like that. So... um they couldn't be totally fair to everybody. They couldn't tell a complete story all the way through. And that's why they left it open for future uh, seasons to come open so they can finish up the story if they ever feel like they need to do that kind of thing. Okay. Um, it was I can a- sort of relate the NBC Free State series that was done uh, by NBC Boston seemed to run into some sort of similar things where the two people who recorded it and put it and edited it and put it together are very friendly to porcupines and libertarians. 
But there are corporate considerations at play here that prevent them from being able to just paint a picture that is completely friendly to libertarianism and completely fair to libertarianism. Well, at no point were they actually unfair. Uh, in the NBC series, but I, I do understand where you're coming from. Where corporations, film crews, they have to, they have to not just tell a compelling story because everyone wants a good story, but they have to bow to some sort of corporate interest more often than not. So I could see that. So in the years since, I mean, what's it like being here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Has it changed at all after the? Well, I, I'm more interested in Anarchopolco. Hmm. I meant to ask this a minute ago. Have you been back to? Uh, Acapulco since then because Anarchapulco is ongoing Ian describes it as the second largest libertarian festival in the world behind the Porcupine Freedom Festival or he says it used to be the largest and presumably now it's the second I don't know but I've never actually been and it seems like Anarchapulco as a concept as an event sort of went downhill uh, around the events that the HBO series The Anarchists was set in have you been back since? And if so, what's it like? I've been back every year since the shooting. Uh, the only year I was asked not to come was uh, the year I was shot, and everybody was really scared. It, 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 was, it scared off some of the speakers. Uh, even Judge Napolitano refused to come down to Mexico because uh, there was a shooting that had nothing to do with the event at all. Right. And it was way away from the event, but he just refused to come because, hey, white guy gets shot, I can't go. Um, and I've been there every year since. Uh, I actively help set up the internet at the event. So I do help the event go run so that way people can watch it online and everybody can talk on the internet and stuff like that during the event. And there's nothing really to worry. Um, Anarchopoco has changed in a way that was more manageable. Uh, if you look at the size of Porkfest, Porkfest is the largest freedom festival in the world. It is massive. The whole campground is completely taken. I don't think there's any spots available right now as far as I can see uh, as I'm wandering around here. And I'm sharing a spot with somebody else. Like I just came last minute and somebody by their good graces gave me a spot. So this is by far the largest Liberty event I've been to, even at Anarchapoco when we had like 2,000, 2,500 people uh, running through the Princess. Uh, this still feels larger this is more freedom oriented that's more conference really okay i sort of would have expected the opposite this is market like uh, there's a a speaking venue down here there is but most of the pork fest is up in the campground where everyone's trying to you know talk to each other meet each other and sell their wares and this is a really great market this is an amazing market here it is and it's fascinating to watch it unfold each year because people come and and then they come back again the next year and they they tend to uh, surround themselves with the same people each year and as you mentioned there are speakers but really porcupine the porcupine freedom festival is so much harder to describe than just a conference with a bunch of libertarians i mean yes there is a conference there are speakers or robert f kennedy spoke today and just absolutely disgusting supply, display <laughs> i i cannot believe when this dude started unloading the actual metal detectors that they didn't say get, get the hell out of here get, go no uh, we're not doing this but it's kind of wild, but um, when you start to grow um, in size, you have a lot of people looking for a message of freedom, and everybody has a subjective view of freedom. Yeah. So the more broad and the more popular voice of freedom that you get in here, the more attraction you can get. And all these people, as they leave um, status school back here, and they come out in here and they get to know everybody, 
uh, they actually start to understand how freedom actually works and how we all voluntarily interact with each other. And it's just a, a, a completely different world here compared to anarchist school or like I called that state of school back there yeah. because obviously they're advocating for the state and they want violence forced on people and stuff like that. But so in your mind, what is happening here is not that libertarians are trying to appeal to RFK, but his followers that came to hear him speak and then presumably would wander the campground afterward and would hear more libertarian ideas. Absolutely. Is that right? That okay. is absolutely right. Where th- I didn't go. Did you happen to go? I, I did not go. I, I listened to some of it uh, from my tablet uh, down at my van. And um, the idea is just getting people together, having good shared experiences together. It doesn't matter what our walks of life and what our political philosophies and stuff like that. Uh, for me, it, it's about identifying with the individual. And when you break us all down, you cannot call us a collective. We're a bunch of individuals. Uh, interacting other, you know, through coercion or through voluntary means, mostly voluntary means in everyday society. But we do have rules hanging over us in case we break those rules, and uh, that that's kind of the coercive side, uh, side of society. But these people get to come into the campground and get to hang out with people who will blow their nose with the one dollar <laughs> bill. Like she, she, she was like her face had exploded, and uh, Aria's face had exploded uh, from an allergy issue, and there was snot hanging out her nose. And she reaches down into her bag, and she's so badass. I'm not even kidding. She grabs an FRN from her bag and wipes her nose with it, crumples it up, and just throws it away. It was just well, not really throw away, but stuffed it in a garbage bag. <laughs> it's just absolutely wild. I was like, okay. These are the right people that you want to be hanging around with and learning about freedom. If they're just willing to take, you know, something that has value that is just, you know, uh, completely tied to coercion, death and murder and stuff like that, wipe their nose with it and just chuck it in the garbage. That's just that's where you want to be in life. That, that's, a, that's a good way of looking at it. it. It was not intentional. I thought I had paper towels in my bag, and as you mentioned, my face had exploded, so I had to do something about it. And the closest thing I had to toilet paper incidentally happened to be a dollar bill so that was what i ended up using i also have gold backs but i mean they don't they don't have even they're not even paper so that that's not going to work but you mentioned that we are not a collective and you're absolutely right i was watching people argue about this on twitter and i tend to avoid twitter and social media in general because i've i've realized that it's it's just feeding a lot of negativity and toxicity and it's not even the real world people think that what happens on twitter is the real world but it really isn't but we are a bunch of individuals. Someone had mentioned that they can't blame Maj Touré, who canceled his appearances here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival for the third time in a row. Every time he's supposed to come here to speak, he ends up canceling, and he did it again. But they said they can't blame him for not wanting to be associated with the types of people who would put on a drag story hour or whatever. And I pointed out that that's that's really a false way of looking at things. I don't know any libertarian who is ashamed to be associated with another libertarian. That, that's, that's a status sort of thing. To libertarians, we innately know that this is an individual. And even, even if I don't agree with them, even if I don't agree with their way of life, I'm not ashamed to be seen next to them or around them because they have nothing to do with me. And libertarians get that. We have a community here. We have each other's backs. And we love each other, and quite often we want to strangle the life out of each other, but we are a bunch of individuals who come together with a single goal of being individuals and promoting individual liberty. And that, that gets lost on a lot of people who aren't expecting that. It's, 
it's difficult to describe for those who have never experienced it. They're used to existing in the world of collectives where, where they're not an individual. They're a white man or a gay person or a black man. So in Maj's world, he's a black gun rights activist. But in our world, he's, he's an individual who is a gun rights activist. And th- there's a subtle but important distinction there. And that's what I find here at the Libertarian, here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's a lot of individualism. Maz um, has feelings, and um, unfortunately, he's allowing his feelings to uh, affect his actions. Now, in the libertarian world, we respect everybody else's rights around us, and we act as adults, and we try to be responsible for how we feel, and we don't let our feelings affect our actions very often. So there, there is a responsibility and freedom not to hurt other people because you got feelings. It's you know yeah. called the non-aggression principle. And unfortunately, humans are still suffering from uh, social conditioning that makes us feel entitled to attack other people because we're hurt. And we, we're just going to arbitrarily blame somebody because there are other things going on in society. In reality, you're just a person and you want to sit there and share a story with kids. And you're, you're, you're not trying to attack the kids, influence the kids in any time away. You just want to share a good experience with other growing little individuals. And if the parents uh, agree to you reading to them, which seems completely harmless to me, that should not be an issue at all. But unfortunately, some people, you, you get caught up into the dopamine of uh, social media and getting confirmation bias all the time. Especially the outrage culture. It feels good yeah. to, to have this righteous indignation, to feel like you're on the side of justice fighting fighting the evil oppressors or just the evil tyrants or the evil people in general it feels good it's there, there's a reason that don quixote got off on tilting at windmills and it's because it feels good to feel like you're defending the weak against the strong hey absolutely and um there, there's just this we got to learn to put these devices down and stop collecting all that dopamine in our head and start to live in reality and start sharing real life with each other because you don't you don't live life online you 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 live life out in the real world meeting people and sharing experiences and that's where history is made history is never made behind a keyboard i i I don't know anybody other than edward snowden who almost made history behind a keyboard but he came out stepped out and said here's all my stuff report on it that's a really good point and did you have these positions about the sort of the uselessness of social media or the segregated nature of social media being distinct from the real world prior to the anarchist series or did you come about to this realization because of reactions you were getting to the anarchist series leading you to unplug from social media did did that sort of thing happen um i I had always felt like i was getting a dopamine feed from social media but i was just using it because i didn't realize the dangers until i started to watch society crumble during covid and they had nothing to do but scroll through social media all day which kind of like made people turn into animals and it was absolutely wild and that's where the the thought actually formed from was just the the crazy nature that happened during rona times Leslie, on the subject of Maj, we don't know why he canceled. Uh, at least to my knowledge, there hasn't been a reason given. He's not, All he's doing on Twitter, according to Ian, is fundraising at the moment. I am declaring it a victory for Bonnie and Ian and their trolling. Uh, but um, it, it frustrated me to read an article about Maj and the trolling, and they didn't even give credit to Bonnie and Ian for being the ones who, who started the drag queen controversy at Porkfesting. There's not a drag queen in sight, by the way. I think I'm the closest you have to a drag queen, and I'm not a drag queen. But that doesn't matter. None of that really matters. It's a wonderful festival. Come down, hang out with us. Uh, but avoid social media, because it does give people... 
the wrong impression, I think, of libertarians with LPNH trying to be edgy and sometimes perhaps being misguided or letting someone tweet who should have had their thumbs cut off at some point. It's jokingly obviously i saw your eyes get big like oh my god but no obviously joking i'm just some people should not be tweeting at all is <laughs> what i'm getting at it's like that south park episode with robert baldwin where he's like i'm not racist but my thumbs are so i chopped off my thumbs that's that that, that would do some people some good but social media is very toxic and it feeds this toxicity as outrage is addictive anger is addictive the righteous indignation that people feel when they when they believe that they're the good guys bat- waging eternal war against the devil they feel good about it to say nothing of when they say something controversial or not even controversial when they say something to pander to one particular crowd or another and they get likes and retweets and every single one of those is a little dopamine hit and the way i trained my dog here is with little dopamine hits when she did something good when she obeyed i gave her a treat and told her good girl and this made her happy and that dopamine trained her the more of that she got the more of that behavior i got And this is what we see on social media. People want that outrage. They want that anger. They want that hostility. So they like it and they retweet it. And this causes the people who created that outrage and hostility to create more of it. And it just keeps feeding itself in this horrific negative feedback loop. And it's best to just just unplug it, just get off of it. Post post your crap if you must, because I still post to social media. Post your crap and go. That, that's the best way of dealing with it. Or just use the entire thing for trolling. There, Twitter raising its character limit to people who pay for it is just, that was the worst decision ever. You, I, you click show more and it's just this massive wall of text. Like, dude, this, start a blog if that's what you want to do. But Twitter, Twitter's not the place for it. And these people want to have actual discussions on Twitter where, like, the, the next thing you're going to see is someone arguing genitalia out for Harambe, right? Like, this this is the platform we're talking about here. Why are you even trying to have a serious conversation about it? It's, it's sort of a waste of time. But thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you again. I look forward to seeing you again next year. And if you haven't watched the Anarchist series on HBO, check it out. It's just called The Anarchist. It is available on HBO Max. Highly worth watching. Excellent series. We're here all week at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, though. And you can come hang out with us at RV46. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
is Free Talk Live, day number four here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And of course, this hour is brought to you by Dash. Dash is decentralized currency that you can use just about anywhere here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. They are taking cryptocurrency at the Libertarian Party National booth right behind me. I bought some orange juice from them earlier with gold back, so that was that was really cool. How many people out there can say they bought Orange juice from the chair of their national political party using gold. Well, here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, you can say stuff like that. Of course, I can't use cryptocurrency, so I can't use Dash, but Dash is widely accepted here and at more than 180,000 locations throughout the U.S. using the Dash Direct application. Go ahead and download that. It's for for iOS and Android, and it allows you to use Dash at, again, more than 180,000 locations, and you get a discount for doing it. Ranging from one percent to five percent, all the way up to eight or nine percent. So finally, you have a real incentive to use cryptocurrency instead of hodling it. Dash doesn't want you to do that. They want you to use cryptocurrency because it makes the it makes the environment stronger, it makes the network stronger. So we want to say thank you to Dash.org for that and for giving us thirty-two Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Check them out at Dash.org. They are run by the first decentralized autonomous organization as well. So it pioneers in the technology and we we love dash and they used to actually be a sponsor here at the porcupine freedom festival they had the it was the dash pavilion one year and anyway i'm joined now by chad welcome hello uh, you run the taco stand down here chad's tacos i believe is just what it's called <laughs> how, how is this por- is this this is not your per- first porcupine freedom festival Nope. Uh, so what number is this for you, would you say? Number three. Number three. Uh, but this year you brought a, a number of people with you. I think you said you brought 12 people with you. And these are not libertarians? Um, only one is really a libertarian. And he's actually considering moving here. The rest are mostly my employees and a couple friends of mine. So Chad's Tacos is a, a, a venue that you have outside of here that you just brought here as well? In Detroit, it's called Lagos, Grandos Ta- Lagos Grandes Taqueria. Um, okay. It's a uh, little taco shop I have there. I, I just called it Chad's Tacos here. This is a little bit easier. It's a, it's a bit easier to say, yes. Okay, so you basically brought your shop here to the Porcupine Freedom Festival to continue vending because you wanted to presumably go on, quote, vacation. And it's only a vacation, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, for some people. For other people, it's, it's a workcation. For me, it's a workcation. For you, you've been doing a lot of work down there vending tacos and you you have a large taco stall like i compare you to the other guy that i know is vending tacos he's got like a little tiny food truck maybe the size of one of these picnic tables is there's a drastic difference in the size and quality of what you seem to be doing and yours yours seems to have it now do you have burritos and i understand that's not tacos but do you have the stuff to make burritos because i haven't been by yet but i love burritos especially burrito bowls i i'm not making burritos here this year uh i'm just doing tacos i do do burritos in in the shop at home but it was just too much stuff to bring out that's understandable i can't blame you for that well if i'm ever in detroit i I will pop by i'm never going to be in detroit though and if i am it's going to be a long time from now but welcome back to the porcupine freedom festival is there any hope that you would say of these 12 people here are do they have any libertarian political leanings other than the one that you mentioned or do they lean more toward the democratic party or the republican party or are they apolitical I'm curious what brings normies to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Well, they're, um, I, I suppose they're probably freedom-minded at this point, mostly because of me. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, I've been, they've, they've worked with me for years, so they know what I'm all about. Um, and, and they like it. It's not, uh, 
necessarily something that's super important to them. Um, but a few of the people that came out, I mean. So are you taking gold and silver and cryptocurrency at Chad's Tacos down there? And critically, do you take them at your brick and mortar shop in Detroit? I, I am taking uh, gold backs here. I don't. Uh, I'm not taking cryptocurrency. Um, is there an ideological reason for that, or is it just a matter of convenience? Um, well, um, I don't really trust things on the internet uh, in terms of counter-economics. I think uh, it's highly traceable. Um, oh, it absolutely is, except so. for Monero, and Monero isn't supported by AnyPay, and AnyPay solved one of the problems that we had here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival with cryptocurrency. Like four or five years ago, the internet signal here sucked. And trying to send cryptocurrency was unreliable. And AnyPay wasn't really popular, so everyone just printed their QR codes, and they printed a price, and they put the QR code out there on their table. And if you wanted to buy something, you just use your wallet app and you scan the QR code. But it never popped up as paid like the AnyPay app does. It generates an invoice in that amount, and as soon as it detects that payment, it pops up as paid, so the vendor knows that they've received their currency, or they're, they're going to receive their currency. But with the internet being so spotty here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival and these pre-printed, pre-printed QR codes, there was no real guarantee that someone was going to get their crypto. And if you sent it and it didn't go through, you, you're not going to remember three weeks later who you sent that .003 bitcoins to, and it, it was very messy very cumbersome so i can't blame anyone who experienced that or any of the other issues with cryptocurrency for not being willing to take it gold is so much easier well the yeah goldbacks are amazing i really really like goldbacks a lot um i've thought about actually accepting them at my restaurant um it's uh it's probably wouldn't be terribly popular out in michigan but if you know over time if you can get people on board for, with it. Um, I mean, that's the way to go is, is local hand to hand commerce when it comes to counter economics. Absolutely. Yeah. The, with, uh, cryptocurrency too, it's highly volatile. Uh, so, you know, in between taking profits, uh, you don't know what the actual value of it's going to be at the end of it. Yeah, that's that's one of the issues that other people have cited in regard to cryptocurrency, where you know if you sell something, this is the issue they have in Venezuela as well, where they sell something one day, and a few days later, the price of the Bolivar has changed so much that they can't resupply whatever it was that they sold, and obviously that you can't do business like that with your with your prices suddenly changing and fluctuating, and one day to the next possibly not being able to resupply because the value of your currency has plummeted. That's why I like the idea of uh, stable coins, especially actually a goldback based stable coin, which I've heard talked about uh, from the goldback vendor. I think that's really interesting. People have been floating that idea for a while. I believe the people at AnyPay were working on something similar. Of course, there are gold-backed cryptocurrencies out there. There's Pax Gold. That's the one I'm most familiar with. I really I, I enjoyed buying it back in the day. And it is presumably backed by gold that Paxos, the cryptocurrency company, actually has. But in these cases, with these currencies that are backed by gold, one of the issues I have is that we don't ever actually know if they have the gold. And they put so many hurdles in the way with the attempts to get it, like these gold certificates are very common in the United States. You, you might have an ounce of gold in a vault somewhere, but if you actually try to redeem it, you're going to run into countless problems, and it may turn out they don't actually have the gold. And the gold backs solve that problem. Yeah. You don't have to worry about not having it's not gold backed it is gold 
And right. that's why the, the name is a little confusing. It's not backed by gold. It is gold. Yeah, it needs you need to be able to withdraw it. It needs to be redeemable. If it's otherwise it's not really a true stable coin. I mean there isn't you know, there has to be a way to actually redeem it in the real world. Which is what gives it its value, really. That's why with cryptocurrency it's so difficult to value it. You know, any other thing that people are buying and selling, you know, on the internet, you can just look up, you know, if you want to sell your car, what other people are selling the car for. And um, it, they're, the market finds a price for it. It's very difficult with something like cryptocurrency because it's intangible completely. It's hard to value. But that can work in reverse as well, where uh, a, a lady who ran the one of the convenience stores in Keene, which was for a long time the crypto mecca, and I'm going to circle back to you know the concept of taking gold backs in Detroit, but there were a lot of people accepting uh, cryptocurrency in Keene, and she took a lot of dash for over the course of about two years, and she just let it sit there. And eventually, it was enough for her to buy an entire shed with. And it had doubled in the course of that two-year period. And it's, it's really about the, the how close you zoom in to cryptocurrency. Because right now, it's down from its all-time high. But it's also way up from where it was four years ago. Something in one of my Snapchat memories came up a few days ago where I said something about the value of Bitcoin being $7,000 per. And I thought it was going to go lower at that time. But now, of course, it's $29,000, $30,000 per Bitcoin. Coin. So anyone who bought it at a certain time is still doing well. Well, as an investment, sure. But as a currency, even yeah. going way up in value is not necessarily good. It needs to remain stable or else people get fear of missing out and don't want to spend it. Because if you're thinking about it as a speculative investment, it's different than if you're thinking about it as a currency. You know, no people doubt. don't really think about you know, holding USD until the value goes up and trading it in money markets to make a profit off of it. Whereas the vast majority of people in cryptocurrency are speculating on the fact that they think it's going to go up in value eventually. And the fact that it does skyrocket in value sometimes and then plummet in value um, is not really conducive to daily market use. You, that's Perhaps that's not, why some- adding an element of stability would would help some cryptocurrencies are better at this than others bitcoin of course it's not a currency it's useless as currency and it's always they they did it that way on purpose it was supposed to be peer-to-peer digital cash but the the people i can't remember Blockstream took control of it the big banks took control of it and they made it absolutely useless as a currency successfully but then you have ones like dash that do work very well as cryptocurrencies and they do fluctuate in value but one could argue that this this encourages savings which is something that you really need in a capitalist society is the difference between the grasshopper and the ant is that the grasshopper saves in, in the old story. And cryptocurrency encourages people to do that because they put wealth aside and the longer they have it, more often than not, the more that money is going to be worth. And in that sense, the USD has the opposite effect. It encourages people to spend because the longer you have it, the less it's going to be worth. So the USD encourages people to spend more and the cryptocurrency encourages to save more. I don't know of any cryptocurrency that has ever really existed that is truly just like stable. They all fluctuate to some extent, obviously. And the the trajectory of the USD is incontrovertibly down. But it, I know you're not arguing for the USD as a stable currency either. It goes steadily down. It does. It goes steadily down because they try and peg inflation at a certain percentage. I mean, the percentage they say is obviously a lie. It's higher. But um, it's, it's, 
going down steadily. Uh, and with cryptocurrency, you just don't know where it's going to go. You could become fabulously wealthy, you know, overnight from it or, you know, which again, I mean, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to actual fungibility. What you want is people to be able to trade it reliably on a daily basis. And that's really why I love gold back. Goldback I mean, has proven to be more stable than cryptocurrency, certainly. When the, when the Goldback was first here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I think about three years ago, they were worth about $3. They were priced here at $3 a piece. And the following year, they were $4 a piece. And they've just hovered right there at the $4 mark for the last several years. And it's been relatively stable in that regard, whereas cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular, that Bitcoin is the obvious example, has fluctuated from $60,000 in the same time frame down to $15,000. It's not exactly what you want if you sold something and a few years later you want to come back to that same festival and sell more stuff. So thank you so much for being here. I got to cut this short because I have something at two o'clock that I have to go to and I didn't realize that it was almost two o'clock right now. So thank you, Chad, for joining us. You are here at the bottom of the hill for anyone listening to this tonight. Go check them out at Chad's Tacos and bring your gold backs and bring your USD. Thanks so much for joining us. So we're back here at Rogers Campground again in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And I don't think I mentioned it, but this hour is brought to you by Dash. Oh, we did mention. I mentioned it during the conversation with the guy just now. I'm back here the, the next day. To write, to finish out this segment, I had a meeting with a mas- massage therapist at two o'clock, and then I had you know drag queen story hour at three o'clock. So I had a lot to do. I do have an update on the prison sentence. My inmate number or with my register number, I think is the terminology they use, has been posted online. You can find that at ariademezzo.com. That's a r i a d i m e z z o dot com. It includes a link there to how you can go about sending me funds for commissary and how you can go about just writing me a letter. Definitely write me letters. I'm going to spend 18 months in prison, and it's going to be pretty lonely. So absolutely write and shout out to Jason Riddle. He was sentenced to this exact prison, to the exact facility I'm going to be at as of Tuesday. He was sentenced there for 90 days. In regard to the January the 6th riot, he he took a book or something, or allegedly took a book, and I think he took a plea deal, and he served 90 days in Devon, Massachusetts, in the prison there, or in the satellite camp there. He suggests that this is where they put a lot of LGBTQ people, not just trans people, but he himself is gay, and is, he encountered a lot of gay people there. He, he mentioned that he was surprised to find so many attractive child molesters, and this surprised me, too. We had a brief discussion about this. It's absolutely shocking. I would have thought that the only kind of person who is sexually interested in children is like a fat neck beard who is old and you know can't get any attractive women his own age, but quite, quite the opposite, apparently. Many of them were quite good-looking, according to Jason. So shout out to him for that. He's, he's been an invaluable resource telling me about things, L- little things that they don't include in the orientation, like, am I going to be allowed to keep my underwear? And the answer to that ultimately was no. I'm also very curious about the typewriter situation because you can buy typewriter ribbons and I intend to spend the entire time writing. And it would be ideal if I had access to my own personal typewriter that I could use eight hours a day, listening to MP3s, listening to music and writing, which is incidentally, that's what I did growing up from like the ages of 10 to 18. That's what I did in my spare time. I put in headphones and I listened to rock music while I wrote. 
So that would be sort of a return to form if if all of those things happen to be true. He mentioned that the typewriters are present in the library for everyone to use, but maybe there's a possibility of acquiring your own typewriter, just like you can acquire your own MP3 player. Something else I had questioned about, I've flown a lot, and the... Every ever light, well, I fly with Delta, and they include Spotify on the little screen things that you can play with there, and they, they're absolutely horrible. You have a selection. They're, they're rock songs. I don't know what the hell they consider rock, but Spotify and, well, the airline and I disagree, and it's just an absolutely horrific playlist, so I wanted to know, am I going to be stuck listening to, you know, Beck? When I'm in prison, or is there an actual variety? It turns out, I think it uses iTunes. He didn't specify, but it's a dollar per song. Going to get a bit pricey, but again, you can find links to my commissary, uh, to how to send me money via commissary at ariadamezzo.com. I cannot take prison, I mean, money into the prison with me, which was surprising. I thought you could take in some amount of cash and have it automatically put onto your books. Turns out that's not the case, and they will send any cash out to some lockbox. So, and you can't send it in advance, right? I know my register number now. I have my, I have all of the information that I would need in theory to send myself money in commissary, but you can't actually do it until you're actually in custody of the Bureau of Prisons. Or at least that's what it says on the website. And I don't want to send $200 to myself and have it get lost in the ether for the next eight, you know, 18 months because I did it when I wasn't actually in Bureau of Prisons custody. So thank you, Jason. Uh, he listens to the show occasionally, I believe, for filling me in on all of these details, these, these things that you, you need to know when you're going to prison, but they don't actually explain in the handbooks. Like, I'm trans, obviously. And the commissary list that is available online only includes like boxers and briefs. So like what, what am I going to be given? And they do have special clothing that they give to trans women. It's this facility. Our, my, our guesses were accurate. They're putting me in a medical facility because this is where they put all of the trans people for better or worse in there with the freaking child molesters. On the subject of trans child molesters, I found out about this today. A former state rep here in New Hampshire has resigned from being a state rep for she, she's going into therapy. She says she's got a lot of issues to deal with, she says, uh, because they found a lot of child sex abuse images on her devices and she's been charged. I don't know what the results of all of that are, but she says she's going to come back to being a state representative one day. Once, once she sees a therapist, no. Kill yourself. The only way you can redeem your soul at this point, lady, is to kill yourself. The irreparable harm that you've done to the children whose material you've been exploiting, I, I don't know to what extent I believe the line that child sexual abuse images propagate child sexual abuse. Obviously, that's true to some extent. And I, I think the FBI, uh, FBI probably overplays it a little bit. It's irrelevant, right? The act of having these images causes real harm to children, and she should burn in hell for that. And the fact that she's trans on top of this is a particular sore point. At a time when trans people are being accused unfairly of being child molesters and groomers, you're not allowed the individual lady. You're, you're part of the trans community here. And I realize that you being a child molester should not impact any other trans person. But trans people aren't allowed that level of individuality in today's society. And you know that. We know that.
If a trans person does something, it's not you as an individual who possess these child sexual abuse images. All trans people are going to be wrongfully blamed and it's going to be thrown in our faces that you had these images and it doesn't matter that that's not right or wrong. You knew those would be the consequences and you did it anyway. So the only way that you can redeem your soul, the only way you can save your soul is to kill yourself. I got banned for Twitter for telling her that earlier today, not surprisingly. Uh, Twitter has a, they, they have a new policy where using the word cis is considered a slur. Going to be having fun with that in the near future, but only for like another three days. After that, I'm going to be in prison and I will have someone tweeting for me, but she will just be tweeting for me the things that I write and it won't serve me any good to have a Twitter ban while I'm in prison. So I'll probably keep it pretty clean. But lastly, on the subject of law enforcement, something I really wanted to talk about. Last night, I was walking my dog, as I tend to do here, going from one site to the other, finding something to do, because there's always countless venues and countless events happening. I, I go to one, I stay there for half an hour, and then I wander off to another, and it gives my dog lots of exercise, gives me lots of exercise, and it's social, it's great. Porcupine Freedom Festival, you got to come try it out when you're, if you've never been. But I saw an ambulance drive by. So I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to follow them and see what's happening because we don't generally see a lot of ambulances here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And I followed them around. And sure enough, they parked right behind some Lancaster police officers who I did not know had even come in. And th this was surprising to me. Th there are Lancaster police officers here, and this isn't being widely broadcast everywhere. What is going on? This should be in the, in the Matrix chats. This should be in the Telegram chats, on the radio. But instead, no one's talking about it. And they were responding to a medical incident. Someone had a panic attack, and you know, that, that sucks. Uh, the ambulance absolutely warranted. But why were the police out here as well? And here's two police officers at a Libertarian Festival. There's 20 or so Libertarians finally around. I was one of the first ones there, and I, I still don't understand why. A lot of people followed the ambulance there, but the police car didn't magically appear. So how did it get from the front gate to this site without being followed by libertarians with their cameras out? It's, it's completely shocking to me that this even happened. So I did, as one does. I got close and started recording the thing. And to my vast surprise, as the situation developed... Uh, roughly 20 to 25 libertarians ended up showing up. I was the only one recording the police. And like, guys, no, I, I understand they're here to be polite, but this is what police do. They convince you that they're your friends. They're nice to you. They joke with you. They get all buddy-buddy with you, and they, they catch you off guard. This is exactly how the police disarm you. When they pull you over at 2 o'clock in the morning, they disarm you by being friendly, by cracking jokes with you. But they're investigating. They are always investigating. And you always have to record them. It, just, it was shocking to me to see so many libertarians there, only one of which, myself, was filming it. And some of them standing around answering the questions the police officer was asking in good faith. And to his credit, the police officer was probably not going to do anything, probably just going to leave. But we don't know that. And at, at any moment, he's a police officer. He's unpredictable. He could have flipped the script, saw some pots, saw some shrooms, and started arresting people. God only knows he is a cop. And this is why it's important to always film them, even when they're being nice. I did feel like a little bit of a jerk at one point, being there filming the guy, not trusting the cop while he's being friendly. But quick reminder, he's an actual cop. This is what they do their their friendliness is a ruse to disarm you and get you to answer their questions so always film the police and don't interact with the police 
But the police have been here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival for at least three times. They, they responded again at about 1 o'clock this morning when someone was viciously attacked not 50 feet from here. And now there's violence at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I tend to think that this may be related to the invitations of some of the wrong crowds that we've had here, some of the statists, the Kennedy people, the Quebec people, the, the politicians. Now there's actual attacks and violence. There's more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. We are celebrating the 20th annual Pork Fest. And I've heard the rumors that the 20th was going to be the last, the last centralized one, and that after this they were going to decentralize, but who knows what rumors you hear are true. I, I hear the same rumors every year that people are going to buy Rogers Campground, and it hasn't happened yet. None of these things has happened yet. Rumors abound among any circle, but especially so among libertarians. And I'm joined now by Angela McArdle, the chair of the National Libertarian Party. And it's great to have you on because I, I love the Libertarian Party and I, and I love what it does. And I cannot possibly sympathize enough with your position. Right. I, I've seen what happens with Dennis Pratt here uh, putting together the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And these are two di- very different things, right? He's putting together an event. You're running a national party. But... The, the situations are similar in that you can't please people. And no matter what you do, some segment of the irate internet is going to be angry at you and insulting you and vicious. And the, your entire rise to chair seemed to be fixated around some sort of controversy with the Mises Caucus. And I realize you probably want to be a better sport about things than I'm willing to be, but Nick Sarwart being a little bitch and causing issues everywhere that he can. And that, that's been my general take among things. You know, the, the, there was a shakeup to the regime, and the old regime got really butthurt about it, which, you know, I sort of expect. But thank you for joining us here today. So what has it been like um, running this institution? I mean, libertarians are notoriously like herding cats. And here you have an organization that is built upon attempting, as best as anyone can, to herd these cats. What's it been like? Okay, so this is a little bit of a paradox, but let, let's dig in. So you're correct, but I, I totally reject the paradigm of cat herding because we can, we should be, and we are able to do better than that. We have the best philosophy 
the, just the most beautiful structure of uh, political and interpersonal interaction. And I think we should do better than herding cats. We should organize. We should have the best natural hierarchies. Like we should be on top of all of that. So has it been challenging? Yes. The, the biggest challenge is to persuade people to like rise above and be like be the embodiment of what we want to see in the rest of the world. So uh, you could think of it as like basic training okay. <laughs> for, for libertarians. Sure. And, and that's, that's commendable. That, that's incredible. And I've always said that it's not impossible to hurt cats. You just have to treat them as individuals. Like I have two cats and they're with me here in my hotel room and they would follow me to the ends of the earth. If I just started walking, they would absolutely follow me. And in that sense, I, I'm not hurting these cats, but I, I am leading them and I've established this rapport with them and treated them on an individual basis, got to know them. That's sort of what happens with libertarians. But in the modern age of social media and people fighting one another, it's vicious, it's outrage culture. As far as I can tell, people are addicted to the outrage and the righteous indignation they feel. It's got to be worse than ever trying to get anything done. E even here in New Hampshire, where by and large, libertarians are capable of putting things aside in order to work together to accomplish things. But even here, it happens all the time where something will happen on the internet in this make-believe world of social media and other people will get upset about it and it will appear to cause massive divisions in the community. And that's just amplified on the national scale. So kudos to you for dealing with that. It, it can't possibly be easy. Thanks. I'm, I mean, you're right. The The social media drama is is pretty insane, Generally, working with people in person and working with them closely on projects, even if we're spread across the country, it goes really well. Right. Yeah. How was this? Is is your, your first time attending the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Or no, have you been this here in the is past? My third time. Okay. Well, welcome back. Uh, are you a Free State Project signer? Are you intending to move here at any point? Or are you happy where you're at? There's to, no wrong answer. I mean, I know sure. a lot of free staters, but there's only one right answer. But no, there's no wrong answer. To, to that be question. decided, uh, it's not written off. Okay. We just moved to Austin, Texas recently, and we're really enjoying that. But I'm someone who says, never say never. I really support secession. Right. I really support that. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a Texit thing going on right now. So it's kind of like a contest to see who first secedes. I, I had high hopes for New Hampshire. I mean, I was part of the NHX group, I, part of the people who got all of that going, along with Dave Ridley and Alu Axelman and some others. I, I was really hopeful that the results of the constitutional amendment for New Hampshire to peaceably secede would be a little better than there were. But, I mean, we got 13 state reps to vote yes on it. And that wouldn't have even seceded. It would have just put it to the people of New Hampshire to vote on whether or not the state of New Hampshire should secede. I, I don't care who secedes first. I would love it to be New Hampshire, obviously. But for one reason, I'm going to federal prison in three days. And if I'm not, if New Hampshire secedes, then I'm not a United States citizen anymore. And I'm not subject to their laws at that point. But, you know, that's that I, I will be out of prison, it looks like, by the time that New Hampshire secedes, if it actually does declare independence. But if it's Cal Exit or Texit or New Hampshire Exit, I don't care as long as someone does it and they're successful. And it puts to bed the myths that the United States government would react violently to the notion of secession. And that's that's what I see online all the time is, oh, they'll just bomb you into oblivion or blockade you or invade. It's like, do you... I. I, I'm not convinced that this would happen in, in modern times, but do they not realize what they're saying? That because these people want to govern themselves and leave the United States, the United States government is justified in rolling in tanks and taking lives? 
it's that's an incredibly black pilled perspective and it really shows you some of the like compartmentalized worldviews that other libertarians and anarchists have you know like they say that they're all about x y and z individualism autonomy uh you know the right of self-governance but when it comes down to really discussing it in the real world they back away from it immediately they think that you're going to get you know murdered by the state that there's, there's no possible way and it's i don't i don't really know what the right answer to that to dealing with that is, but we need to have more discussions about that as a community. Like how bought in are you? Do you really have faith in what you're believing? Is that part of why we have so much dysfunction in our communities? That's very well said. And that was one of the things we definitely accomplished with the secession drive here in New Hampshire, the independence drive here in New Hampshire. I, I knew that we wouldn't declare independence, that New Hampshire wouldn't declare independence. I, I was hoping, you know, all the way up until last minute, I was hoping that it was going to happen. But realistically, I knew that it almost certainly wouldn't. However, it got a lot of people talking about the possibility. Yep. And it's only becoming more and more common. Of course, CalExit and Texit are also getting that conversation happening. The more... It's, it's an Overton window type of thing. The, the first time people hear this idea, of course, it sounds crazy. But the way humans uh, assess the, pos- the popularity of an idea is based on how familiar they are with it. So the more often people hear about the idea of secession, the less kooky it sounds to them, the more mainstream it sounds, and the more popular in their minds the idea must be because they continue to hear about it. So getting these ideas out there, getting the conversation out there and having people discussing it, absolutely, I think, is going to inexorably lead to independence for someone and i look forward to seeing whoever is the first one to do it if at first you don't secede try try again so other things i've heard other rumors i've heard and i i I wanted to discuss this with you because i i bought orange juice from the national libertarian party uh tent over here yesterday and like that's amazing to me to to realize that i used gold to buy a drink from the National Libertarian Party, from my political party, from the chair of that party. And that's amazing. But the Republicans and the Democrats, they're never going to be able to say anything like that. Right. To say nothing of the fact that you guys were willing to take gold for it. And I posted about this on social media, bragging, because this is incredible, guys. What Libertarians are doing here is absolutely phenomenal, and people should be paying attention to it. And one of the people commented saying that, you know, that's a good sport of me. I, being a trans woman, it was surprising to them that I was willing to interact with you and have you on the show, which is something else that I mentioned. And I didn't have any idea what she was talking about because I'm of the mindset that social media is not very useful. I post things to social media and I may react to comments or notifications that I get. But more often than not, I post what I want to post and then I go away. So I don't pay any attention to the dramas that people get involved in on social media, but there's always a new drama, rightly or wrongly, because that's what social media is designed to do. And what I heard was that you are very homophobic and transphobic. And my first thought was, wow, I've interacted with her repeatedly over the last few days, and I never got any of those vibes. So what are you talking about? And my suspicion is that what this person is referring to is exactly that fictitious Internet world that they have mistaken for the real world. Yep. So do you have any idea where these sorts of claims coming from? She said the, I think she said in particular that your Twitter was filled with homophobic stuff. And again, that's just, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like it's accurate. It seems like a misreading of the situation. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, a big part of the Reno reset and taking over was to make the Libertarian Party 
more welcoming to people who are socially conservative, but right. still libertarians. That doesn't mean to make it a socially conservative party. It means that, for example, we put out a ton of things about uh, LGBT wins in at the federal level, at state level, throughout our social media over the last several years. And we haven't put out anything that people who are socially conservative might be more interested in. It's just, it's just uh, there's a vacuum, yeah. you know, and right. it's been filled with only things that are more like socially. I, I don't like to use the word progressive because it's been co-opted, but you, right. you know what I mean. So now it's like we're also going to talk about like celebrating homeschool wins. OK, that's it. Yeah, which is great. I don't see any issue whatsoever with that. But there are a lot of people who think that any any welcoming or any tolerance for social conservatism is somehow anti lgbt or anti you know there there's a lot of movement happening in the united states around lgbt issues and drag queens and yeah. trans people and governor desantis and there's very much a culture war going on and it's very difficult to avoid wading into that and i certainly wade into it i have an lgbt flag flying here that that was never here last year, and that was, wasn't here the year previously. I've been here seven years. I've never bothered to bring or fly one of these flags, and I didn't even think about it this year. It was so late to me, the idea, that I ordered it from Amazon and had it shipped here because otherwise I was already going to be here. And right. it's simply as a pushback against that, that push, pushing that I'm feeling as a trans person and uh, there are many social conservatives out there who are willing to live and let live, who who don't approve of my lifestyle. And I'm not asking them to, but they're willing to not use force and violence against me in order to maintain and perpetuate their lifestyle or to prohibit me from enjoying mine. And I think that's really the nexus of where all of these things can come together is just raw, basic tolerance and allowing a person to exist without force, violence, and coercion being used against them. And a lot of people on the left, a lot of left-leaning libertarians as well, have this idea that if you're not actively condoning a lifestyle, then you're a bigot. Right. And uh, I don't agree with that, and I suspect that's a lot of where these claims of you being homophobic and transphobic actually come from. I think so. I mean, I think what it really... Probably where it comes from and gets mistranslated is that there's disagreements over what children shouldn't shouldn't be allowed to do. And you yeah. and I probably have disagreements on that, and they're good faith disagreements. And it doesn't mean that you're trying to hurt children, and it doesn't mean that I'm trying to hurt children either. It's just we're still trying to figure that out. Right. And I think that's part of the human condition, and that's part of libertarianism, is you're trying to decide what is the non-aggression principle, what is that line, what is the age of consent. It's They're all conversations that's end up kind of cringy online they they make yeah. people angry sometimes they need to be had when you're, it, when you're it, absolutely right there are conversations to be had because but online in particular people seem to gravitate to the extremes right, right? It, if you want to have a discussion about children transitioning they jump right to the mutilation of children's genitals which i that wasn't a talking point prior to this year and that that's generally not the conversation that anyone is having about transgenderism yeah. obviously gender affirmation therapy for people who are under the age of 18 consists of using the pronouns they prefer and the names they prefer and allowing them to socialize and dress how they prefer but there have been only 
56 cases of sexual reassignment surgery for people under the age of 18 in the last three years. And all of those for people were for people who, almost all of them were for people who were born with uh, ambiguous genitalia in the first place. So they were hermaphroditic. And the sexual reassignment surgery was picking one or the other, their most dominant characteristics for them to have. So, and all of these hospitals that perform these surgeries make it very clear that they don't perform them for people under the age of 18. But the conversation is still, despite these things, it goes inexorably toward the, this extreme position. And I think it's a way of trying to make make the discussion ridiculous or bringing it to a place where it cannot be defended. Because obviously, n- no one is able to defend against the idea that a, a five-year-old should be able to declare themselves a girl and, and have their genitals removed, right? That, that's an indefensible position for any rational person to take. Yeah. And I think that's why people tend to drag the conversation to the extremes. And the internet, the social media in particular, they facilitate exactly that. They're not for discussion. They're for, they're for polemics, for people to talk about how outraged they are, how angry they are, and to talk about the most extreme cases they can find. Libs of TikTok, another great example, is this Twitter thread where they find the most egregious examples of leftists on TikTok, and they post it to a Twitter page. And yes, these examples exist, but I don't know of anyone uh, on any side of the political aisle who, who endorses some of this stuff. Right. It's like the most cringe takes. Yes. And you, you used to find it more with with people who are like extreme social conservatives, but now it's like the, the tide has flipped. You know, many years ago you'd find, you know, like, Oh geez, some, some dude up in the mountains had, you know, 13 year old child brides locked away and, you know, in the basement. Yeah. E- equally horrified, probably worse, you know, worse, uh, worse things out there. Not many worse things out there than that. But, um, I think you're right. I think social media disincentivizes authentic conversation. We all uh, we all experience it. I think the Twitter algorithm really enjoys outrage, and and that makes us it kind of pushes us into sort of a dopamine riot where it we're does. all going nuts. Someone posts something controversial or some some sort of outrage, and you know people like it and they retweet it and they and it makes them feel good. It gives them those dopamine hits that you mentioned, so they post more of that, and then the people liking it get the dopamine hit from seeing people agreeing with them and sharing in their outrage, yep. and it just becomes this massive this masturbatory circle of people spewing hatred and incre- becoming increasingly insular in their worldviews very similar to what we saw in 2016 when the liberals throughout the college throughout the college uh, colleges here in the United States they were they were convinced that with the election of president trump that there were going to be cattle cars rounding up all the gay people and all the disabled people and putting them in, like they there were teachers in, uh, or professors in universities, and presumably teachers in high schools that were that were crying with their students on the day after the election about how the world, how I'm sorry they're going to load you in the cattle cars. First of all, what what a weak, immoral person you must be to, to offer someone a crying shoulder. They, they're ter- They're going to be loaded into the cattle car here to be put to death, and all you have to offer them not a gun or a bullet so they can defend themselves, a shoulder to cry on. How useless can you possibly be? But that aside. They had worked themselves up into this fevered frenzy where they had convinced themselves because they had their echo chamber where no, they weren't listening to what Trump supporters were actually saying. And if a Trump supporter actually spoke to them, it, it went through the filter of their own progressive values. So they didn't hear what was actually said in the first place. They, if they listened at all, it was just to hear counterpoints so they could hear themselves talking. Totally. And it they worked themselves up into this fevered frenzy and... Obviously, none of that 
happened. That's not to say Donald Trump was a good president. He didn't start any new wars. And that, that's the best that anyone, I think, can say about him. But it, it was scary to watch this happen, to watch these people firmly convinced that they were going to be rounded up and executed. And there, there was no basis to it whatsoever. And you couldn't reason them out of it. Do you remember the clown sightings of 2016? The what? The clown sightings? Yes. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that was a CIA psyop to study the effects of hysteria on people. That is possible. That's a really good point. I had kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, there was never any explanation of it whatsoever. It was either that or it was viral marketing for the movie It that got out of control and they pulled the plug on it and they just quietly buried it. I don't know which of the two things it was, but it was fascinating to watch these people. I had people... I was arguing with people that the clowns had not hurt anyone. They hadn't done anything. There was no reason whatsoever to be scared of them, except they were standing there being creepy. And there were there were limitless people saying, well, I, I pray that you don't encounter one of these clowns or they don't encounter your kids. And they were just fully caught in the hysteria. And there was no basis for it whatsoever. And what I learned from that is you can't talk people out of hysteria. This yes. is presumably why the, the adage exists that you slap people out of it. But obviously, that would be right. aggression. But... We, we see hysteria constantly throughout today, and it's no longer just about the fictitious or the largely fictitious clown sightings. And of course, we had the same things going on then where people were faking it. They wanted to be part of it or they wanted to inspire fear. Yep. So they would they would Photoshop a clown at a school or they would call in a fake clown threat, a clown threat. So I can't even, I forget that this craziness even happened, but people were calling in clown threats to schools. This is so wild. So Earlier this month, I had I had a birthday party, and the theme was Escape from Clown World. Okay. And so the, the instructions were to come dressed as anything in the culture war uh, that completely fatigues you, or to come dressed as a clown. So I invited people to come dressed as drag queens, nice. as clowns, uh, as uh, January Sixers. So so we had Patriot Front show up. Uh, we had nice. yeah, we had all kind. We had clowns. We had uh, reporters. All kinds. I feel like at a certain point it gets so hysterical. You just need to like kind of lean in and, and embrace its like hilariousness in order to kind of cath- have a catharsis and get over it. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I'm not a big fan of interacting with children, but I was going to have a drag queen story hour here sim- simply to lean into that because it's it's portrayed as this horrific thing of people stripping for children and stuff and. Maybe maybe some drag shows are like that, but the ones being put on for children are not. But so I, I was going to have one that resisted that image. That was just you know people who happened to be in drag. And one of the drag queens I was trying to get was a cisgender woman, like a natural born woman. And I didn't know until then that those were even drag queens, right? I thought female, they were female female impersonator. Yeah, and I didn't know such a thing existed. So I'm I don't understand what issue a person could take with a a woman in drag reading a story to kids. But, you know, these things have become so politicized, so extreme that it's you're not having a comfort when they when you have these conversations and we lost a co-host on Free Talk Live about this exact issue. We're not having a conversation about Mrs. Doubtfire reading a story to children. We're having a story of we're having a conversation to them that is about some some half-naked drag queen with a dildo strapped to her forehead and he made this he's he the person who quit the show cited that exact example of people reading to kids with dildos strapped to their foreheads and these things just aren't happening well, well that would be gross yeah but, it would be disgusting but, but we agree on that i mean i think i think you touched on something good earlier which is like the the libs of tiktok stuff but most people agree that like no one male or female whatever they're dressed as whatever they're presenting as should be stripping naked and gyrating in front of six-year-olds right 
Yeah, or, that, that's, we, we can all agree on that. There we go. Right? <laughs> Build, building bridges here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I mean, if you can't agree with that, then then obviously we, we just can't work together. Yeah. You should probably be segregated from the rest of society yes. that thinks these things are not okay. I mean, if you want to do that in your weird little, weird little enclave, as long as no one's being aggressive against us, I don't necessarily have an issue with it, but that's where you start blurring the lines between what is and isn't aggression because the, yes. because that power dynamic exists. You're the adult, they're the child, and I, I, I don't think there's any way a child could fairly consent to having an adult strip for them. Right. I, I think that's that's out of line. And people sometimes will ask me, they'll be like, oh, well, you're opposed to that. But what about child beauty pageants? And those are also horrible. So check out LP.org. I believe that's the National Libertarian site. Thank you so much for joining us today, Angela. And we are here. And you, the, the Libertarian Party National Tent is right behind me. So go by, talk to them, sign up, join the party. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Absolutely beautiful day. Thank God the heat broke a little bit. Yesterday it was 86 degrees at its peak. Absolutely unbearable. I could not get my dog cooled off and she's stupid. So she wouldn't just like drink a lot of water. So at one point around two o'clock at its peak, we retired to the hotel room to the air conditioning and we just chilled there. I also have a screwed up eye and that gave me a good excuse to like put some ice on it. I got hit recently, but I'm joined now by Sean of the Liberty Policy Alliance. He's been here at the FTL site for the last week or so. Um, you are from... I'm from um, Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. You were previously with YAL. Yes. That's Young Americans for Liberty. And that is more or less how you know the show. Uh, you know Bonnie Cruz, who's yes. a co-host here on the show. And you you weren't happy uh, with Young Americans for Liberty to some extent. So you were like, screw you guys. We're going to go do our own thing. Is that is that right? Without, Essential, being- without, without disparaging Yal too, too much. Right. Uh, basically, we decided that we wanted to, my friends and I, we all decided that, hey, we wanted to take what we learned and take take a bit of a brain drain and go start our own organization. So what we do is we're a, we call, we're a grassroots advocacy organization. So what we do is instead of knocking for candidates and campaigns, we'll knock for legislation and ballot initiatives around the country. So okay, we'll, so you focus more on issues rather than candidates. Yes. That, that means you have a very fitting name, Liber- uh, Liberty Policy Alliance, instead of Liberty Candidacy Alliance or whatever. So did you come... Door knocking here in New Hampshire uh, during the 2020 presidential campaign because I know Bonnie did and some other I was, people for y'all did. I was on the uh, 2020. I was in the 2020 primary and the 2020 generals. I was unfortunately some of some of us got hit with a really bad COVID quarantine to the point oh, no. where the AG was threatening to threatening to press charges against y'all and make Liberty win. It wasn't a fun time. Wow, that's insane. I'm a little disheartened today to see a lot of people like camping up and leaving their sites. Uh, just a quick update on how the Porcupine Freedom Festival is going. Uh, it's It may be ending a day early from what I can tell. I got a message earlier from Carla Garrick of Queen Quill, as she as people call her, telling me that the, uh, the rant tonight, Soapbox Idol, had been moved to noon today. So it's happening right now. 
previously it's it's the biggest event going on here. So this was a big deal to me. I'm like, okay. And I'm the judge of this event. One of the judges. But ultimately, it, I think it's because of the weather. And now there's two soapbox idols happening today. One today and then the normal one at 6 o'clock tonight. It's it's all very unclear and very hectic, very confusing here. At, I mean, it's, it's a Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's libertarians. Yep. So nothing is clear. Everyone is late. And it's it's a great time nonetheless, though. So I'm still hoping that Soapbox Idol and other events are going to proceed as normal. But it's a rainy day. It's only going to get more rainy. I think we got a little brief reprieve from it right now, but it's coming again. So all of that said, reintroducing people to the Porcupine Freedom Festival because we are on site. And you know, people tend to forget that. So tell me more about what you guys are doing. Like, what brings you... Why are you here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival? What are you hoping to accomplish? So there's a list of mul- there's a multitude of things that we're hoping to I'm hoping to accomplish here. I'd say we, but none of the rest of my team is here right now. So yeah, there I'll was supposed to be a second person, right? But yeah, things just didn't work out. Schedules didn't work out. So the reason we're here is one, kind of make a name for ourselves amongst New Hampshire libertarians. Two, my ideal goal would be to have our headquarters. We're all working remotely right now. Like I have guys in Florida. New York, Ohio, Texas, all over. Fantastic. Uh, I want to be able to have a headquarters here in New Hampshire because the way I see it, if you're going to have a libertarian organization, you need to be located in the the quote-unquote libertarian homeland. So what we're here for, what I'm here for is to make contacts with a lot of people, whether they're here, they live here as part of the Free State Project, or if they're from other places around the country because we are a... I want to make us a big national organization. I want to be able have have our hands in as many of the cookie jars as I possibly can, and that means making contact with a bunch of people, making like getting people on email lists. I've given out over two hundred business cards with a QR code that has, goes to our website and all of our social media and stuff. Like I'm try, I'm really, really all about making positive contact, giving out information information people look us up and that turn that'll turn in turn turn into donations and stuff we can use towards actively actively pursuing our goals so has the porcupine freedom festival been successful for you have you been i would i would call it a success like i said i've given out over 200 business cards with our information with our organization's information on it i've got 50 people to sign on to an email list i nice so that that that's I always wish thing. I I always wish every single year I I wish I had done something different and this year I, this is not the first time that I re- I realized I should have brought a clipboard to get people's email addresses to add to our mailing list at Free Talk Live because we do have a, a mailing list and we if we got several thousand emails on it but it, it's an easy thing to do to get in touch with people to keep in touch with people and hope that your messages don't go to spam but right. Email email is a wonderful way of contacting people and making anything happen. When I formed the Libertarian Party of Tate County back when I lived in Mississippi, it was almost entirely through email that we managed to do anything. I did send out physical letters to the registered members that I had on file, but I didn't get any responses to those. It was uh, Email seemed to be the fastest and most efficient way of reaching out to people. And of course, I'm going to federal prison in like two and a half days. So I've And I've learned today that uh, someone who went to this exact facility says that no one no one writes letters anymore, even people in prison. They, it's all email. So I'll have some access to email. Email is the way of the future, though. So I'm, I'm glad to see you guys doing that and that you've gotten so many email addresses. What else? 
what else? What are your feelings on the Porcupine Freedom Festival as a whole? Though? I mean, is this your first year? This first is my first year. I've en- I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being able to walk around, have just nice conversations with people, have some great food. Just the overall experience has been just insanely great. I w- I I'm going to try and be back here with more people next year, obviously, and a bet and more planning ahead of time. This was not not my best attempt at getting it getting something through, but it was our first time, so I figure the. Uh, why not wing it? Sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Bonnie is your, Bonnie of Free Talk Live is your social media manager. Is that she's correct? Our, she's our spokes, she's our spokesperson. She handles, like, it. she'll, she talks to people for us. She, she represents, she, she does a lot to put us in a positive light, and I'm very thankful to have her on board. Yeah, she, she's really good at that. But, but we, we all love Bonnie to death. So, with all of that said, uh, you you do plan on coming back next year and bringing a bigger uh, presence. Um, I don't know that there's any. Is there any ground that you feel like we haven't cut? Like, where can people go to learn more about so, your organization? First of all, so our website is www.libertypolicyalliance.org. Uh, you can check us out there. We have social. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We have all the social medias. I'm down at RV58 at the moment. If anybody wants to come by and talk to me, I'm more than more than chatty about what we're trying to do here so regrettably this episode will air tomorrow night i think no it will air tonight so the only people who will hear this are not going to be here at the porcupine freedom festival i mean it, yeah. it technically ends tomorrow and i suspect most people will be pulling their stuff down if they haven't already started today like my plan today is to tear a lot of this down some at some point this evening Right, same same here. But if people want to go learn more about us, go to libertypolicyalliance.org. Do you, you have any shortened version of that, like a lpalliance.org? No, that would be too confusing, too, wouldn't too, it? Yeah, and too much. And for every every domain I buy, costs me like fifty bucks. It's in yeah. So I find them useful though, and I mean, in the grand scheme of things, buying additional domains is good. I recently bought freetalklivesucks.com, <laughs> and I directed it to freetalklive.com. Obviously, I got the idea from Primus, and then I discovered that freetalklivesucks.com was available and it was like 20 bucks for two years or something so yeah i'll grab it right but it does depend on the actual domain you're buying and there's a lot of factors going into it but so like i said we have all the social medias facebook instagram twitter linkedin uh i'm on all of those as well Uh, i've been deplatformed so you have to look for sean with an h between the s and the e and then on twitter it's at sean for liberty if you want to follow me there it's liberty policy ally if you want to follow us on twitter but again, we're on all the social medias. We'd really be help, helpful if p- we could get people to donate. Uh, if you want to come talk to me directly again, just mess. You can always message me there. We'll take we'll take fiat. We'll take Bitcoin. As far as donations go, whatever anybody can contribute, I'll never look. I, I'm the type to never look a gift horse in the mouth. Sure. Well, there's candidates in Texas that actually accept deer semen as, as donations, right? Because it's the, the sticks that contain this stuff are valued at $25,000 per. So it's essentially a $25,000 donation. It's, it's very peculiar. I didn't even know such a thing existed. So that's commendable to be willing to accept it, you know, essentially any form of donation. Like you said, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, as they say. Right. So I'm glad to hear you're accepting gold, cryptocurrency, because these are important things. These are important tools that we can use to acquire freedom and to secure our freedom, especially financial privacy going forward into the future. And that's libertypolicyalliance.org if people want to learn more. Are there links to your socials on your website? Like link yeah, to your you could co- go you as soon as the top top right of the page, as soon as you hit the as soon as you hit our website, you can click on it and all of our socials will pull up. 
Fantastic. That's libertypolicyalliance.com, right? Dot org. Dot org. See, I'm already screwing up. Libertypolicyalliance.org. Well, thank you so much for joining us here, Sean. Uh, I look forward to seeing you around the festival and look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, I'm here next year <laughs> in that event. I look forward to seeing you next year. Thank Thanks you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So sad news here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Apparently, there was additional vandalism and destruction last night at the Liberty spot up here at the top of the hill. One of my favorite vendors. Yeah, indeed. And really, really nice people, really friendly people. It's, it's tragic to think that this happened. Someone apparently went through and emptied out their coffee pots because they have self-serve stations yep. that they leave out for late night people. And apparently someone dumped all that stuff everywhere. It's very tragic, very, very sad to have seen this happen. And it's not the it's not the first time this year that something like this has happened. Yeah, there was a a guy who no one really from the community recognized who I mean he came over here, he sat down at your computer. He did you know, it was we super sort of, weird. We sort of shooed him away. He showed up a little bit later at one of the one of the tents where people were having good times and you know, sort of everybody sort of had to ignore him out of there. And then I was told that that same dude is the one who uh, assaulted a person. Yeah, right uh, up, right up here, just at the top of the hill. Yeah, he they, he had to be physically removed. Is he what took the, a quartz crystal and he attacked someone. Yeah. And the the pork rangers did bind him. They have apparently zip tie handcuffs, and I still Which is weird. Yeah, I still have to ask questions about why the pork rangers have any form of handcuffs. I mean, except for the fuzzy kind, perhaps. But they did, and yeah. you know they handled the situation as well as they could have, and the guy was arrested, I believe. But uh, of course, this all harkens back to last year and mm-hmm. Mikey the Snack Jew and the three hundred dollars or so in losses that he's been talking about. I mean, for like a year now. I mean, and I, you know, I, I understand entirely Dennis Pratt and the Porcupine Freedom Festival's position on this. Like, Mikey, what the hell do you want them to do? Right, do you yeah. want them to offer an apology? They they didn't do it. And they're not responsible for it. You, you had the self-serve station. You know the risk that yep. is involved with leaving your stuff out. Well, and, you know, provide your own security, right? That's kind of also what this, true. this event is all about. You're supposed to be able to put up your own thing, do your own thing. But that means you also must be responsible for your own thing. To my vast surprise, the, the LGBTQ flag still has not been vandalized. It's still, still flying right there, doing just there fine. Is. Thankfully, nothing at our site has been vandalized. I, I didn't even consider that about a possibility because I've been coming here for seven years in a row. And my first year will co- was during the Muslim Holy Month of mm. Ramadan. And Ramadan changes its location on the calendar each year. It's like an 11-month cycle, more or less. And okay. I was here with Will Coley. And during Ramadan, they give away, the Muslims give away a lot of food after dusk. They fast during the day and then they eat at night. And he did have a donation jar out there, and it, it was totally fine. We just left the donation jar sitting out there mm-hmm. all day and night and just never touched it until the end of the week, at which point he collected it and mm-hmm. you know, counted it all. And there was no theft, and it never even occurred to us that something could happen to it because we were surrounded by libertarians. Yeah. And presumably this was the thinking and the reasoning that Mikey had with his self-serve stations and that Liberty had with their self-serve stations and that, you know, we had here with leaving our equipment out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not the Porcupine Freedom Festival it used to be. And I don't want to point any fingers here, but when you have someone on Twitter opening, threatening violence at your event and you don't take a firm stand against that, I can't even be pretend to be surprised that if, that violence then goes on at yeah. said event. Well, and the, the numbers 
<clears throat> sort of tell us that the more people that begin to attend Porkfest, uh, and I think we've pretty much gotten to capacity the last two years here. Dude, they turned off the water Thursday. Yeah. Are you free? And, the, and most of the bathrooms are still closed. It's unsustainable. And so as that number sort of continues to increase, we're going to see more incidents like that. You just can't put this many people together in, you know, this closed of a location and expect there to be nothing. You should be able to, right? You you should be able to do that with a festival full of 3,000 libertarians, 5,000, 10,000 libertarians should be able to hang out together at a festival with no violence, no theft, and no vandalism. Well, you're assuming the, the people uh, doing the violence and the theft are libertarians. Well, I'm assuming that they're very clearly not. Yeah. Libertarians don't, don't vandalize. And that's not a no-true-Scotsman argument, by the way. Libertarianism is designed is defined as adherence to the non-aggression principle. Right. If you're vandalizing someone's stuff, if you're attacking people, then you are not adhering to the non-aggression principle, and you are therefore not a libertarian. Correct. I, I think we can we can definitively lay the vandalism and the assault and the other miscellaneous events squarely at the feet of those who do not adhere to the non-aggression principle to to making the event the libertarian festival the premier libertarian festival in the world making it welcome to non-libertarians mm -hmm. we got non-libertarians here and look at the results they've not been good yeah, I do want to commend uh, the the Freedom Community, though, for their ability to come together and provide assistance when these things when these things happen. Yeah, bugs are really out today. Yeah, the, I'm assuming the rain has sort of knocked them out of the trees, and now they're yeah. just being... They're crawling all over the place. Yeah. Um, so the, the community here, for all of these incidents, have reached out to the people who are affected. Hey, how can we help? What can we do? Can we you know, start a fund for you? Can we come and help you clean up? Uh, all that kind of stuff. So I've seen uh, people going out of their way to offer to help. So... That is the most impressive part to me. Yeah, we had some incidents, you know, of vandalism and violence and that kind of a thing. But the response to it, I think, is how you measure the quality of the people who are here. And the fact that so many people have reached out for all of these uh, incidents to provide assistance or offer anything up to the people who are effective, to me, is the most impressive. Indeed. I offered a donation to the Fire Steel campsite. Yep. I, I don't even know exactly what it is they do there, but they've been there for years, and they host speeches and conventions, and they, they do their own thing. I think last night they had a rave there as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I support what everyone is doing here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, honestly, just about, except for the vandalism. Yeah. And they had their money jars stolen. Uh, we, I don't think we even really got into that. It was stolen a day or two ago, and libertarians are so honest and have such integrity that, if I, re if I recall what they said correctly, they honestly checked with the pork rangers to see if someone had turned in a giant jar of cash. Right. Because, yeah, if I was a libertarian here and I found a giant jar of cash... I would take it to the pork rangers. Yep. And uh, most people here would because it's not theirs. And that's the sort of thing you get at a libertarian festival. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But when you get non-libertarians here, you do. And, and, I'm not, and look, I, I worded things badly a moment ago, and I was aware of that right after I did it. I'm not laying any of this at the feet of Dennis Pratt or Constance or any of the organizers or the Free State Project. I'm just it's a cultural issue it, this, it brings to a head the question of whether or not Porkfest, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, is for libertarians or if it's for libertarians 
plus others. And I, th- I think this makes it inexplicably clear that it must be considered for libertarians only. We, we have to stop courting non-libertarians and make it clear to them that they're just not welcome here. Yeah, my understanding, uh, or at least my feeling of what the Porcupine Freedom Festival is, is uh, the experiment, you know, proving that it can be done, proving that a bunch of people can come together, uh, vend, uh, associate, party, uh, you know, learn, grow uh, all together under, uh, you know, the non-aggression principle. And, I mean, 20 years going... I think we've proven it. Sort of. But I, I'm, you know, you mentioned that and I, I'm starting to think the opposite has been proven here. It's sort of what's happening this year and last year with the vandalism, the attacks, the theft sort of suggests it, it gives credibility to this argument that people have that in order for a libertarian society to work, everyone has to be a libertarian. If you have one person who's willing to come in there and use violence against others and take control, then that's going to snowball and escalate. You have it comes back to the tolerance paradox that you have to be actively intolerant of those who are intolerant, mm. and what we're seeing like these people now coming in, attacking people, committing vandalism, stealing. Now we have to lock down our stuff at night. Everyone has to lock down their stuff at night. And in a libertarian society, what, what the past two years, what the Porcupine Print Festival over the last 20 years has shown is that with a small enough crowd, yes, you can operate on these honor systems and everything would go just fine. But at a certain point, you will be infiltrated by non-purists, by people who don't share your beliefs, and they will come in and cause problems. And you have yeah. to have a way I mean, like, of preventing that. <clears throat> libertarianism doesn't solve human nature. Right. And so humans are going to be a-holes uh, regardless of what they claim to believe or subscribe to and that kind of a thing. Sort of the problem with libertarianism is that it runs counter to human nature. It runs. When I see a jar of cash, my human nature says, grab it and run. But libertarianism doesn't allow for that sort of thing to happen. I mean, there, and there's a line, too, because, like, some people would be like, well, that's just being honest. If you find a jar of cash and, you know, if it was your cash, what would you want? You'd want somebody to try and find you and turn it in and give it back to you. That's what I would want. Well, if you don't do that, then it's dishonest and that, that's a form of fraud. Right. And that would be a violation of the non-aggression principle. Right. And so... Um, while your points are uh, very valid, I don't want our listeners to sort of get the idea that libertarianism uh, solves all of humanity's ills. Oh, sure, yeah. and, and sometimes when people hear the libertarian arguments, they get that impression. They're like, oh, well, your society sounds so perfect, and how do you handle this thing? It's like, well, okay, look, human beings haven't solved uh, petty theft, right? right? And n- nor has the state, by the way. And so people will, will take a look at something like, you know, some vandalism occurring or an assault occurring here on site and go, see, it just means the state is necessary. No, no, it's not. It just means that not only does the state not solve that problem, humanity as a whole hasn't solved that problem. That is always one of the unfair tactics that statists use. Is they, they hold us to a higher standard right. than, the, than they do themselves. As you mentioned, they, they will use the vandalism here as proof that libertarian societies don't work. But as you rightly point out, there's theft all throughout normal society as well. And statism hasn't solved that problem either. It is disheartening, though, to, to hear about what's going on here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's and disappointing I, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have a solution here. Uh, obviously, libertarian doesn't... Libertarian doesn't have all the answers. The only, I, I, I don't even know if you can 
in, I, I'm not saying there should be some sort of purity test to make well, sure only libertarians get in, but like what could be done about no, I don't, this? I, I don't think anything really, you know, outside of like somebody offering security services to those who want it, you know, some sort of patrol or cameras, you know, that kind of thing. There are things out there that people can do, but uh, I think context is important too. I think if you put, I, I'm going to use the word or the number 3,000 just for easy math. If you put 3,000 people on, you know, any sort of a gathering, any kind of a festival, a carnival, something like that, uh, or, a, or a campground, you're going to have these human problems. Now, what would be interesting is to see, okay, so we've had one vandalism and, uh, and one assault here. And miscellaneous theft. Uh, and, and I would be curious to see, like, what those numbers are for any other festival of this size. Right, but we're not and just compare a- one to the other, because I'm guessing that our stats are far lower than any other gathering of this many people. But it shouldn't be happening at all, I think. And that's sort of, like two years ago, there was no theft here. There was no vandalism. There, there were no assaults. Uh, two, uh, well, maybe, that we're maybe aware it was three of. Three years ago? No, there's simply no, no one reported any anywhere on the Telegram chats or in the that's Facebook I mean. groups. Like, or, like, I mean, it just, just because didn't happen. something wasn't reported doesn't mean something didn't happen and otherwise get resolved. Well, I suspect they, why wouldn't they have reported it three years ago like they report it now when it happens, right? I mean, like if someone had been assaulted three years ago, we would have heard about it. Just like we heard about the guy getting attacked Sometimes with people get into a fist fight and they work it out. Sure, but people getting into a fist fight isn't necessarily assaults, right? Like this guy was blindsided and attacked, but there is more coming up right? I don't want to knock the festival. It's a great time. So come, coming out with us next year at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, there is more coming up here, though. It is Free Talk Live. So if you come to hang out with us, if you're listening to this and you still want to come hang out with us, you better get here quickly. Uh, actually, because, no, by the time this is playing, no, this will be playing tonight. I don't know. It's unclear. This is either playing tonight or tomorrow night. Either way, if you're listening to this, chances are very slim that you're going to be here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's been a very confusing day. Lots of dynamic changes to the schedule. Of course, we're all libertarians here, so you can, you sort of expect that thing. We're running a libertarian time, so sometimes we're an hour late or half an hour late. Well, for whatever reason, I'm assuming the weather, a lot of changes were made to the schedule today, and that's, that's peculiar because today's Saturday. It's the biggest day. This is the ultimate day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and we've got people messing around with the schedule I, I assumed at first it was Carla, but what I've learned is that Carla is not happy about it. So it was definitely not her, but Soapbox Idol is still going on a little over two hours from now. There was some confusion. I'm judging the event. That's the only reason I keep up with it. I'm basically in the event, right? I love it. It's the best one they have here. It was moved to noon without the judges. It was going to be called Soapbox Special, but now they brought it back to six o'clock, and now Carla and AJ are doing it. It's all very, very peculiar, very, very bizarre, but... It's what you would expect from libertarians. Speaking of what you expect from libertarians, I'm joined here with Jack and the philosopher. Jack, I didn't actually get how you might prefer to be called on the radio. 
So uh, Jack Lloyd is how we can go by that. Jack Lloyd, I know that name. I, uh, I'm on the internet. Okay, maybe, maybe that's why I know it then. Oh, cool. And of course, uh, Fa is how I know you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, is that your actual name, or uh, is that just a nickname that you go by? Because isn't that yeah, no, a type of the, noodle? Yeah, that's right. You, okay. you're very cultured. Yes, it's a Vietnamese noodle dish. It's my favorite uh, food. I grew up with it, and I love philosophy, so that's why I'm the philosopher. And yeah, it's just my nickname. I, it's very my clever. Mom didn't call me burrito. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Well, <laughs> you never know these it's days, true. right? You never know. Right. And I appreciate you saying I'm very cultured, but I, I cheated. In in New oh, Hampshire, like in Keene in particular, we had a restaurant called uh, Pha Keen Great. Uh, that's the word fun, and the word keen, and the word great. And obviously, if you say that all very quickly, it's a lot of fun to say. And the city of Keene got upset about this because the person who started the restaurant was renting from the city of Keene. And they did approve and then they tried, they tried to take it back. So that's the only reason I know what pho is, because we had a pho restaurant there in Keene that specifically played into the word pho and the many ways you can have fun with that. Yeah. Again, pho, keen. Great was the yeah. name of this restaurant. They did end up changing it to the Funky Noodle, again Aww. spelled P H O N K Y. First name is way better. <laughs> there, there was actually on that note, there's supposed to be a, a pho vendor coming called Fuck You. Oh, really? Like Fuck You. <laughs> right. Letter Q. Oh, pho and the letter Q. But yeah, this would be Isabel, it. right? Because she was here last year. Oh, right. Yeah. We heard last year they had yeah, it, and we've been could. waiting anxiously every day, checking out Site 8. And we're like, where is Fuck You? And so they I didn't just had come hot up. dogs and tacos. So, yeah, we had to settle for <laughs> hot dogs and tacos. Uh, that's unfortunate. But she was definitely here last year. She had poker. She had a full air-conditioned RV type of thing last year, and we had poker in there. And she was definitely doing some sort of cooking last year. She started to open a Vietnamese, a French-Vietnamese restaurant in Keene to sort of compete with the Funky Noodle. And she was part of, she was one of the part owners of the, the fucking great back when it initially opened but there was a dispute Whoa. between her and malaise malaise more recently sadly passed away so she's no longer right. with us and, and so the restaurant itself is a close so now in Keene, we no longer have a vietnamese restaurant but isabel is notoriously hard to pin down she's a very busy person and just because she plans to be here and she wants to be here and she is scheduled to be here doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that everything will align and she will be here, sadly. Oh, okay. So it's very interesting to sit across from you. And all credit to you, too, as well, Jack. But for, like, the philosopher, I've been seeing, like, memes of yours, especially on Facebook, for five or six years, if not wow. more. As long as I can remember being a libertarian activist, I've been seeing content generated by you, especially the memes. <laughs> On social media, and obviously I knew at some point there was a person behind it, but I never wondered why you were called the philosopher. <laughs> yeah, and I, I never looked into what you actually did. I just thought you were someone who made memes, right? But but that's wrong. I'm, I'm incorrect. So tell me, what exactly is it that you do? Oh well, um, uh, I do a lot of things. Uh, so by day, I'm a I'm a software engineer, and. Uh, on the weekends and nighttime, I try to do the philosopher and uh, try to stay into current events with memes. I've made like videos before, like different short presentational videos, um, just trying to break down certain things. Uh, and now I'm really getting into music and um, 
And why are you into music? Because I do a lot of rock music, and I'm always I love female singers and rock music because there's something about the 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 beauty of a woman's voice juxtaposed with like the the raw intensity of rock music that I just absolutely love. So just yeah, curious, the contrast what, what kind of music? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've made a lot of rap songs, uh, and also we've dived into rock as well. Have done some rock and rap. Um, have tried some eighty synth music. Uh, have also <laughs> tried our hand at country. So <laughs> w- we just enjoy yeah. music a lot. Okay. I and, actually knew this about yeah. the rap thing because someone yeah. said a few days ago they were going down to a libertarian rap event, a libertarian rapper oh, event yeah. that was happening at like 6 o'clock at the pavilion. Yes, <laughs> on Tuesday. That and, was us. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this. So of course, I don't pay much attention to the Porcupine Freedom Festival schedule because it's so busy. It gets so full and it changes yeah, so here. frequently. And so. I'm usually here doing this, right? Yeah. So I, I hadn't even been aware of that. So how was it? How did that go? It was a wild ride because we had an hour scheduled and then everything that could go wrong went wrong. So we had the computer blue screen and crash, like the one that, you know, was the the center stage one. So we were very fortunate. Probably the one providing like your backing tracks and your actual music and stuff. Right. So it was actually, I think, uh, Jason's wife's computer. So sorry, uh... Um, if your sword. computer doesn't work, don't blame us. <laughs> we swear. It was just that music. Was we didn't put any fault. viruses on there. It was a clean drive. We swear. <laughs> it, blame Microsoft or the yeah. government. But um, so, th- you know, after that crash, we had a friend bring his computer and we were trying to set up. And then there was distortion issues. So we're like troubleshooting that. Then we had connection issues. And then we had the videos, that is the music videos that were go- supposed to go to the TV screens, not playing right and kind of being weirdly cut off. And then eventually we got to a point where just enough of the music video would kind of show on the screen. And we're like, all right, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Let's do this. So we ran we like and raced through minutes. it. Yeah, it took about 30 minutes even. And, yeah, um, 20, minutes, yeah. and we did it. though. We, we did all eight songs. Unfortunately, we had that, that buffer room. If we didn't, we would be uh, in deep trouble. But And thanks to the AV team, again, for busting to really try to help get everything set up and, and done right. So I completely feel your pain. I performed a wedding here Saturday. And as usual, uh, anything that yeah. can go wrong will go wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had an issue with the microphone that I was using. Actually, I forgot the microphones. We needed three wireless microphones because there was a crowd of 200-ish people that we were expecting, which oh, is cool. huge for a wedding. Yeah, that's huge. And we ended up, so I had to get someone to go by my house and get the microphones and bring them up here. They did that, and then it turned out one of them didn't even work, which I didn't know. I mean, the actual microphone part of it <laughs> was work was broken, so we only had two microphones, and we decided it was more important than me. That I'd be the one who was mic'd since I was doing most of the speaking, doing the actual ceremony. And that ended up being broken because someone hit one of the cables on the mixer there. The only reason we needed the mixer was to take all three mic inputs and route them into a single speaker anyway. But someone hit the cable and they broke that cable. So it was shorting in and out the entire time I was speaking. And I thought it was the device I was holding just being finicky. It It was a complete mess. But I'm told it still came out really well. And it sounds like your event, all things considered, it still came out really well. That's yeah, that's how a lot of these things are, especially when I did the show Free Talk Live from my in-home studio. Anything that could go wrong, any random <laughs> weird little thing that never, ever goes wrong would suddenly go wrong. Like a microphone <laughs> arm that had been attached to the table for six months, not moving. It had just been sitting there perfectly, perfectly attached, would just fall randomly in the middle of a show. <laughs> So I feel your pain on that. That yeah. seems to be the way things go. Anything that can go wrong will. So what else do you have? Any, did you have any other events here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival or was it just the one, the, the rap event? 
We had several events. In yeah. fact, we had a second performance with uh, Emo Night. Yeah. We did two of our more emo songs. Okay. Um, a a mix of set of other music, yeah. and it was amazing. Uh, ben Weir did that of the Emo Caucus. Yeah, he killed ben it. Weir. He was a professional. He brought his own equipment, huge speakers amazing mixing board i mean he got the crowd hyped there was a mosh pit but as you know voluntarist of a mosh pit as you could imagine everybody's like yeah you consent you consent as they hit each other right so well, that's, yeah <laughs> I, i've been to a lot of rock shows and that's generally how mosh pits are anyway right, right they don't right. usually stop to say hey you consent to this but, right. <laughs> but it's no it's one threw bows clear no that, one was punching yeah. each other but they were very very fun respectful just a great time like absolutely fantastic it felt like a real concert like it was amazing it was it was that's that's beautiful. Huge yeah, crowd, too. Amazing. I yeah. wanted to get down there to that, but I ended up doing something else. I think that was the same night that uh, there was a a singles plus mixer going on mm. at the nudist camp. Okay, <laughs> the okay. Body Freedom Village is what it's called. And someone's and, like, yeah. Touching tips. Yeah, I was I was in and out of that. Well, that, not in this particular party. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that only, was later. Only by accident. Yeah, that, that was later in somewhere else. <laughs> oh, that was Thursday night. Okay. Because that's the sort of thing that happens here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. There's never just one event. Yeah. There's no. always multiple events. And it, there's a real opportunity cost to going to any of them because, yes, I wanted to go to the emo thing, but at the same time here's a bunch of nudists sitting around drinking alcohol and it's like Ben <sighs> Weir every year yeah and, and yeah. right the nudists drink <laughs> and then there's probably some other speech and also last night I think at the same time um, Matt Roach who does the show with us on Thursday nights was oh. giving a presentation on the Crypto 6 which wow. you know, I'm one of the Crypto 6 yes. so I would love to have been there for that but and uh, Captain here was giving mm. one a preview of his new EP that is releasing in full on July the 4th. I yes. think it's CaptainKickass.com if people want to go check that out. That's releasing again in full on July the 4th. So oh. there's always multiple things here you can go to. I've been trying to catch up with Jeffrey Tucker all week long. Because <laughs> every year we get him on the show, but he, he's notoriously hard to pin down to actually yeah. get on the show. Because he's always <laughs> right. busy and we're always busy and the... The stars have to align very, very specifically for us to not be busy and for him to not be busy and for us to not be eating. Yeah. For that to sort of happen. Or but drinking. he's running the Brownstone Institute's tent down here where, they, where they're also having events regularly right. and speeches regularly. And you just got to love it, right? There's always something amazing to do, always something amazing to be a part of. And that's one of the things I like about the content that you're generating as well, because it takes so many different forms. Like, okay, you don't <laughs> yeah. like rap, that's okay. Maybe you'll like this other thing or this, this meme, rather. If you don't like any yeah. of that, and maybe if you don't like that, you'll like this. Right. Here's a book comic books nonfiction books, books. Yeah. you also comic have comic books, books and nonfiction books. all right yeah. so, so I'm I'm author of voluntarist reader. comic series yeah. um so voluntarist <laughs> comic series is my thing that's almost certainly why i know you then. Oh, okay cool, so cool. i'm not 100 sure but I, i'm thinking that's probably going to be <laughs> okay why. it might be um i used to also be a part of anarchy ball back when that was a thing um, I uh, also have written yeah, nonfiction Anarchy books. Ball was like fractured. So there was an Anarchy yeah. Ball podcast that was not actually Anarchy Ball, if yeah. I remember right. Uh huh. And it was it was all very confusing. <laughs> yeah, so you the, were the original were. group, the main group that lasted, you know, up through twenty nineteen. The ball yeah. memes. Yeah, like, yeah, right, fantastic. Ones. Yeah, I was one of the original yeah, yeah. people uh, for that making content uh, throughout the years. And then um, I also have nonfiction books, like my book, The Definitive Guide to Libertarian Voluntarism and a Vision for a Libertarian Future. Um, so we have that arena covered, and then I also do stuff with unschooling through the Honest Teacher. So um, I promote unschooling and, and 
all the various ways and outlets you can possibly imagine out there just because I'm a big proponent of, of getting kids out of the child prisons known as public schools. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we also have skits, <laughs> memes, uh, you know, or sorry, I said memes, um, uh, educational videos, uh, events. We have an event with uh, Lou Perez coming up, uh, a gun range event. So it's called Don't Shoot Lou. So we do yeah, take we that to heart. Yeah, we also host events. Yeah. Yeah, That'll so. be our third one in uh, Tampa, Florida there. Yeah, Tampa area. Yeah. So you're based out of the Florida area? Yes. Yeah. Is, is any yeah. possibility of you moving to New Hampshire a part of the Free State Project, or are you happy where you're at? We're pretty happy where we're at, but we 100% always have supported Free State Project and Pork Fest. Love it. Recommend it. Always give it glowing recommendations. It's a libertarian mecca. We tell everybody to come here you know, and visit, and we'd love to be back. So. Yeah, but although for me, I, I must say, like being here, meeting all the different New Hampshireites that actually live here, uh, some of them that I've actually been friends with for the past several years, like Alou Axelman and his wife, Kate, um, I'm like, okay, I could really see myself settling down here and raising a family, but we have ties to Florida. It's really sunny year round. Yeah, it I'm, is. I'm southern. I know. I hear that. <laughs> Your <laughs> weather is a bit nicer down there. You mentioned being <laughs> friends, you know, with people up here, and I, we we've never actually met prior to this year. I don't believe, nope. but I've I generally don't consider social media activism to be activism, right? I tend to look down on those libertarians, and as much as I look down on anyone, I try not to look down on people. But I don't consider posting to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or whatever to be actual activism. But that's not necessarily true when we're talking about things on the scale of like the philosopher and anarchy ball that <laughs> like I I've got memories that I can pull up on Facebook right now almost certainly of either anarchy ball or or the philosopher memes wow. that Facebook will want me to broadcast that I first shared, you know, 6 or 7 years ago. <laughs> right. Something that's that impactful and influential, I don't think is I don't think that counts as just libertarian activism online. I think there's more to it than that. And that trying to being too hard up on social media activism is probably the wrong way to approach things because it can be very influential and very successful. Definitely. I've never met either of you, but I knew I knew exactly who you were. It took me a minute because you introduced yourself as Fa and you said you <laughs> created videos. And I was just sitting here outside the campsite talking to you one day, and then suddenly it clicked. Oh, you're <laughs> your the dog, philosopher. Your dog was like licking me, pretty girl. She's like, Yeah, hey. she was. She's super friendly. And <laughs> yeah. suddenly it clicked. I was Probably like, Oh my God. I've been seeing your content for, for years, yeah, right? Yeah, that. That blew me away. I'm like, because I, I saw you as part of the Crypto Six on the uh, NBC Boston documentary. So yep. I was like, whoa, hey, that's incredible. Like how we have those connections, even though we've never met in person. Yeah, so I guess the stars aligned, you know. And it's all because of the work that you do online. So on, on yeah. the subject of stuff you do online, all of that is fantastic. But is there anything that you do, any other activism, libertarian activism that you take part in? You said you mentioned wanting to start a family. Uh, raising a family, it seems, is a form of activism in a lot of these cases. And I think of people like Jay Noon down there, who doesn't have a social security number, is super hardcore libertarian, right? And like he, the way that he's raising his family, almost by definition, has to be considered to be activism in and of itself. Yeah, so I think so. I, I think it's difficult to define activism. So all of that said, is there anything that you do that would be that could be considered activism that you'd like to talk about that you'd like to share with us? Um, 
Sure, like yeah, in, in person and things like that. We we definitely are not just online, as you can see. Right. We are here in the flesh. And my apologies. <laughs> I gave you absolutely no warning. I was going to ask a question like that. It's like, here, no, think yeah, about yeah. your life's work no, you're for good, a second. You're good. <laughs> um, so, no, we, we do that stuff in person as well. We we go to events and even events that are outside of the scope of, of just being hardcore, voluntarists or ANCAPs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we talk to people. So we're in the business of changing minds in the culture. And we do yeah, educate. Meeting. People. people in person mm-hmm. and talk to them about the principles and help challenge them you know on a one-on-one basis um so it isn't just online although i really appreciate you encapsulating that that you know at scale there's a lot of minds who could be changed and i certainly have gotten that feedback directly of people yeah. who said i had no idea about these principles you changed my life you changed my mind i've had people who said that about her work my work mm-hmm. and so on and so forth but you know, even with our, our family and, and stuff like that, we uh, do outreach with them. You know, I've helped to change my own uh, mom's mind. I've helped to change yeah. my brother's mind. Um, so right. activism doesn't have to be something that's grand. It could be as simple as just trying to change yourself and those who are your closest. Because I generally take a, a strong stance against just social media activism. And that's not because I'm against social I, Lately these days, I'm more against social media than I am for it. I think the world would be a better place if we just nuked the servers at Facebook and Google and Twitter. I, I, I think just completely dismantling them or throwing them a volcano would make the world a better place. But there are a lot of libertarians out there who are fixated on the National Libertarian Party, which again is fine. Nothing inherently wrong with that. But their only activism is posting online about liberty things. And that's very common. And these are the same sort of libertarians who joke about being on the FBI list or whatever. It's like, oh, you've seen the memes I post. I'm on the FBI's list. But like, no, you're deluded. Uh, if, if what you're doing is using the Internet as your main source of activism, then the FBI wrote you off as a threat long ago. <laughs> and, and that's not going to change. And that's, the, that's what I mean when I get after social media activism. I just mean the people who just post online, they have a following of maybe a few hundred people or something. They're not using it as one means of promoting freedom. It's, to, it's the only means that they have of promoting freedom or any sort of activism. So that, that's what I mean. I just want to be clear about that. A lot of what I do is on the Internet, right? Like, There's oh, yeah. no difference between tweeting about pro-liberty stuff and doing this radio show about pro-liberty stuff. If, if tweeting is an activism, then neither is it is this radio show realistically it's just a difference in scale so so it's a nuanced subject and i don't want to come down too hard on the criticism of social media you mentioned a, a variety of forms that your content takes so videos memes obviously songs nonfiction, comic books do you have a single central website that sort of takes all of these things and combine them together or do you use multiple websites because i have a I understand that if the theme is liberty, there's obviously going to be a connection between the the libertarian nonfiction books or the libertarian comic books that someone writes and the libertarian rap songs that they write. But these are still two very different things. So do yes. you do you have a single central website? I guess is the is my question. Uh, how yeah. do you promote all of these disparate ideas? Yeah. Um. So we do it differently. I'm more like centralized like i'm just the philosopher and through the philosopher i have right memes videos whatever and everything's there um on just one website but you uh more have like and what is that website uh the philosopher.com the philosopher.com and again that's yeah. like the vietnamese noodle p-h-o yeah. and then philosopher.com right okay fantastic but if people google that i imagine they will find it yeah hopefully now i think in the early days when i first uh was 
had the philosopher, there was no one else. So when you would search on Google the philosopher, it would say it would actually search and um, search for the philosopher instead, right? Uh, and then only give you an option to click for the philosopher. But now I think after all the the tagging and the whatever you call it SEO or whatever that <laughs> is, um, I think it, it's been searched enough that it actually will come up now. So it's I went cool. through that as well <laughs> early on in my career. Yeah. I called myself the anarchist Gmail because mm-hmm. I I just felt like that was going to be a good brand to roll with, and I've sort of distanced myself from it in recent years. But it was if you Googled those terms, you did not get anything related to libertarianism right. yeah. <laughs> yeah it took it was a very long struggle getting the anarchist gmail on google to represent anything that was related to liberty so i, I completely get it but philosopher at least doesn't have those inherent problems and it's very much yeah. trademarkable and i don't believe in intellectual property but it, the idea it's unique yeah. i guess is what i'm saying so you take jack take the different approach and you have multiple websites is that correct right so i have a lot of of different genres of creative content mm-hmm. and I'll operate under those things under different names so for voluntary as a comic series that's volcomic.com v-o-l-c-o-m-i-c.com and then with other things I'm going to have the honest teacher as my main page for doing educational things Jack so that's thehonestteacher.com at volcomics.com um, so facebook.com forward slash thehonestteachers and then volcomic.com for the website thanks so much for joining us today we are Free Talk Live It is Free Talk Live for me, the final day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the final full day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, because it does, of course, last until Sunday at noon, I believe, is the final, final event. But it's Saturday, it's raining here, a lot of people are treating yesterday as though it was the final day. A lot of people are packing up and, and leaving, because presumably because of the weather, but it's not that bad. Right? From what I saw, there were supposed to be a lot of thunderstorms and it was going to rain all day, but I think it's sprinkling a little bit right now, but a little rain never hurt anyone. I'd hate to think the libertarians are made out of sugar. Uh, they're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's something else that reacts badly with water that is less sweet than sugar, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but libertarians seem to not want to get wet, certainly, and a lot of people are camping up, I mean, packing up because of that. It's very strange. But, of course, I am joined by Ben of Goldbacks. Uh, people can find out more about that at goldback.com. Is that right, or is it Goldbacks? It, um, actually, it is singular, not plural, goldback.com. And, yes, thank you for having me on. And, of course, this hour is brought to you by the AMPS program. You can find that at amps.freetalklive.com. That's our Patreon. So if you like the show, if you value the show, you want to help us reach a larger audience, the AMPS program is by far the best way to do that. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Five bucks per month gets you in. You can pay more than that if you want. But all we ask is five bucks. And it does come with a number of cool little perks like some AMP-only videos, some AMP-only chats, AMP-only messages, and even an AMP-only version of the podcast. Unique to our Patreon supporters is the AMP version of the podcast. So it doesn't come with any of those, any of the commercials or any of that crap. So check it out, amps.freetalklive.com. So you're here with Goldbacks. This is your third year here, if I remember correctly, That's right? That's correct. The third Porkfest. I tell you what, Porkfest is become for me one of those things that I just have to do every year. Uh, so many awesome people. And really, our project has grown so much over those three years. It has. It's been amazing, and I'm glad that Ian got to come up here yesterday to see it. I don't know if he was specifically looking for that or not, but three years ago, or four years ago, was the first year that the Goldback was here. 
at mm-hmm. Rogers Campground at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And Ian had brought them, and he had his own personal stash that he was willing to distribute to people, and people were willing to accept them here. And that was the year where I sold wine for Goldbacks, at one, one cup for one Goldback. And as I understand it, that was the first known time that anything was actually priced in Goldbacks. Or at least it was the first time here in New Hampshire, for sure. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and the following year, you guys came... And the, you and someone else came from goldback.com mm-hmm. and you set up here on our site initially. I think you camped out yep, here. We, we said, you know, I think we need to join the Shire Free Church and see if we can't camp with those guys, learn a thing or two about liberty in New Hampshire. But we had no idea really what we were getting into yet. But it has gone very, very well. Uh, very quickly, very quickly after that, you were offered a better site up here at the top of the hill. I mean, this site is great for doing a radio show. Don't get me wrong. But there are better sites for vending and getting your product or your project out there. And I think that was Kirby's Q, the barbecue yep. place that you were here with that year. Unfortunately, they have closed, but they were great supporters for us. So, of course, then you had a similar site up here near Kirby's Cuba, different, and now you're down there at the bowl directly in front of the pavilion. You have your own shop. Well, it's not your own shop. I, well, you are selling goldbacks for goldback. Is that correct? Well, yes, of course, we always sell the goldbacks. But uh, one of the main things for this big pavilion is to create a marketplace where anybody wants to buy or sell anything. They can set up in there and experience a real free market with a free market currency. So our idea was just to create a venue where people are reminded to use the goldbacks. However, I've realized that was almost superfluous because setting up a space where we could teach people how to use goldbacks doesn't seem necessary at Porkfest this year. People, uh, pretty much everyone seems to be using them. It, you're absolutely right. There are a ton of We Accept Goldback stickers here. I generally don't use uh, USD at this event. I, historically, I preferred using only cryptocurrency, and I would use cash if I absolutely had to. Now, of course, I'm banned from using cryptocurrency, at, at least until I'm on supervised release, until I get out of prison. So I've been using a lot of goldbacks, and I won't shop at any of these places that won't take goldbacks. One of the places was taking goldbacks, but uh, he has stopped taking them. And I've learned that the reason was that he can no longer now, he can no longer trade them in for cash. Presumably he was bringing the goldbacks to you at the end of the night and selling them for cash. It's like, no, dude. But you're not taking goldbacks at that point. You know, you're, you're just, you're taking an IOU for US dollars, and that's not what we're trying to do here. Right, we are trying to do something much more than that. Of course, they are still valuable and, pe- and people still haven't really had much difficulty liquidating their goldbacks for, for USD, right? I mean, no, I brought about an ounce worth of gold in goldbacks and I'm almost completely sold out of it. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, it's been I hope you've been selling it because if you've been spending that much in one week at Porkfest, you're really living it up. No, I've been selling it. You know, right. I got five by the federal government recently, and I paid $2,500 of that fine on the way up here, and I've I've been selling the gold to raise the money for the other half of the fine. Right. So, yeah, it's it's obviously really easy to liquidate, um, but yeah, we don't... And, and so sometimes people can use it as a coupon, but we don't really favor using it as a coupon, because the whole point is... It's better than the USD. Yes. And and it, because it's real gold, it has real value. And, you know, uh, we all know where the USD is headed right now, too, is we're headed for a CBDC, and we're headed there quick. FedNow is already being implemented, and I can't imagine that they're going to take too long before all Federal Reserve dollars will just be a CBDC. I feel like we must have failed as libertarians if this person is willing to take goldbacks 
but only only if they can immediately turn around and liquidate them for cash. Like we we failed to get him to understand the appeal of the goldbacks or why he wants the gold back. To him, a number of years ago, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, they had these vendor coins, right? If you were a vendor here, I think you got 10 of them. And they were, I, th- I think they were valued at $5 each. I don't remember. But every vendor got a two of them to spend per day. Or something weird like that. And at the end of the week, you could take these little pieces of plastic up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival and you could exchange them for cash. And thank God they stopped doing this because it was silly and useless. But it, w- it was a way of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the Free State Project, providing something to their vendors, a thank you, so to speak. But it wasn't – that didn't mean the, the pieces of plastic were useful or valuable. They, they were just holders. They were IOUs for cash. And that's not what we want at mm-hmm. the Porcupine Freedom Festival. If I, if I pay someone gold, I want it to be – look, if I had known that you were going to end up with the gold – that I was spending with this guy, I would have just kept it, right? And, and just <laughs> given him the cash and kept the gold for myself. I thought I was helping to distribute a currency that I love and care about. Well, and that's the way it works for almost everybody who takes it, right? Um, I, did, I have told a couple of the vendors, like, oh, no, that's totally liquid. I'm more than happy to uh, redeem it for you. And, and we do have some mechanisms, like the United Precious Metals Association uh, runs these accounts through Alpine Gold Exchange. And they make it possible for people to liquidate even huge sums sometimes, up to $10,000 worth of gold backs in any 30-day rolling period for no no fee, no wow. penalty, zero buy-sell spread. They get the full exchange, their full exchange um, at whatever the posted exchange rate is for Alpine Gold Exchange. And so, um, you know, there's a bunch of ways that you can do that. But, yeah, I, I think the main point is is that we, we know we need an alternative. We know that we need an exit uh, from systems of oppression and and especially from systems of oppression that that can infect every aspect of our lives and you know how how is it that we interact with the government in most cases we don't interact with the government on a daily basis but we do interact with the banks we do interact with the currency all the time and every time we're spending usd we're voting for the things that that inflation goes toward. And we're, we're voting for the military-industrial complex. We're voting for the administrative state, the war on drugs, which is basically just a war on the American people. Um, the war on, um, on... And this war on the American people reaches into our wallets every single day to get their money to regulate us. Very well said. And on that note, I have to ask... Were these ideas that you had prior to coming to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, or did we corrupt you and <laughs> make you like? Would you have? Did you take issue with the military-industrial complex uh, five years ago, for example? Oh, I, I definitely did. Okay. But I'm a I'm a pacifist. I was raised a pacifist, a religious pacifist, and um, I, I I really arrived at libertarianism in a somewhat roundabout, more religious way than most libertarians do. Um, I was I was talking a lot about nonviolence in Eastern religions and a lot about um, pacifism in uh, in Western uh, Anabaptist and Mormon um, historical religious traditions, and that led someone to point out to me, well, hey, that's a lot like the non-aggression principle libertarians talk about, and I was like, oh, really? What's that? And um, that was probably 15 years ago or something like that. I was a Democrat. I was a very active Democrat. I actually, you know, helped select the. Um, the people to go to the national convention and help run the state convention and things like that down in Arizona. So, I mean, I was, I was very much a liberal, but really what had driven me to be a liberal in the first place was that I was tired of the way the Republicans were expanding constantly the spending on the military and um, as well as the administrative state. I thought, well, 
I, I love to tick off my conservative Republican friends. They'd say, why are you a Democrat? And I'd say, because I believe in fiscal responsibility. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? The Democrats are worse than the Republicans. And I'd say, well, yeah, but uh, how good are the Republicans? And they'd be like, well, not very good, at least not since, like, you know, the last hundred years or so. But, <laughs> you know, and I'd, be, I'd be like, yeah, see, you know, I'm sorry, but, like, <laughs> you're not going to get me to, you're not going to get me that way. But then uh, once I learned more about libertarianism, I basically thought, okay, I've been a libertarian all along. As soon as I got any Democrat in power, they were immediately doing everything right. that I didn't want in the first place, like, Funding endless wars, and so I realize you're stuff. not a Catholic. You're you're Mormon, if that, I remember correctly. Yeah, that's correct. But I have a confession. Uh, I have <laughs> I have been spreading misinformation. Fear not, apparently. my daughter. You are absolved. Thank you. No. Well, of course, I, I have no authority to say that either. Right, obviously. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I have been spreading misinformation. Apparently, I've been corrected on this. I have been telling people that the gold back cannot be smelted down. To redeem the gold out of it. And now I, I thought that you and I had a conversation about this last year. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was basing this on. I thought I remembered mm-hmm. you saying that one could not do that. But Ian has since informed me that, yes, you can smelt the gold down. So, yeah. But it's a complicated process. So, well, so, it's not terribly complicated, but you do need the right material. You do need the right uh, facilities. So I, I wouldn't advise lighting a gold back on fire. But um, if you put it in a crucible, and you heat it the proper way, yeah, the gold is fully recoverable. You can melt it down. So it's no more complicated than melting down a silver bar to get the silver out of it. Is, is that right? Correct. It shouldn't oh, be any more difficult okay. than that. See, I, I, I don't know why I got it into my head that it was. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons why I might have said something along those lines is it's, it's kind of a terrible idea. Well, yeah, half of its backs. value isn't the actual gold. Half right, of about, value. about half of its value is the fact that it's a, a, a financial vehicle. And so I like to compare it to an actual street vehicle. Uh, the same way that you wouldn't uh, buy a brand new car or truck in order to immediately melt it down so that you could get some steel. It is the same reason why you wouldn't want normally to melt down a gold back to get the gold out of it. Because uh, when you do that, you ruin its value. So, you know, let's say you're going to go buy a new car. You're willing to pay more than like five or six hundred dollars for a brand new car, and for good reason. That that car is going to get you someplace that you want to go. But if you were to turn around and melt that car down, you're only going to get about five hundred dollars worth of steel out of it. It's a very good analogy, and I, it makes me feel a lot better because one of the main criticisms that I've had against the gold bag, and again, I love the gold bag. As I mentioned, I brought about an ounce worth of gold in the form of gold bags to sell this week. So, I mean, I have a lot of gold bags, and I, I freaking love them. They're beautiful. I, I discovered last week, this week, while you were here, that there is the Wyoming gold bag, and I wasn't even aware that those existed. So mm-hmm. there's this entire different set that I have to purchase now, which is like 380 dollars because... Right. I'm not a co- you got to have them all, right? Well, yes. It's like Pokemon cards or something. I'm not a collector of goldbacks. <laughs> I, I want to spend goldbacks. I want them to be useful as a currency. And mm-hmm. So that means yeah. I have to spend them and trade them and earn them mm-hmm. and acquire more. However, at the same time, I do still want a full set of each one solely right, for right. the... The, the art value they provide mm-hmm. and they are absolutely beautiful pieces of art I assumed it was the same artist who did the Wyoming ones that did the the New Hampshire and the Utah and the actually, Nevadas actually no there uh, we had one artist who did Utah Nevada and New Hampshire her name is Cherry Jensen um, and she 
she's the one who designed those three sets. But uh, we actually have a new artist that did um, Wyoming and coming out in the fall. I wish I could give you a date, but we can't announce that officially on Free Talk Live yet. Um, but uh, in the fall, South Dakota is also getting their own designs. So those two states, Wyoming and South Dakota, were done by an artist named Annette Anthony. Okay. Are, um, are, are they sticking with the same style, sort of theme? Though. With like, mm-hmm. what I one of the things I love about them most is that they're very uh, female centric. Like all of the pieces mm-hmm. so far have featured a a woman prominently mm-hmm. rather than a man, which is a nice contrast to the USD, which is all mm-hmm. men as far as I except the Sacagawea coin, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, there was the old Susan B. Anthony too. Uh, there right? was, but dollar coins seem to be the exception, right? Um, and yeah, the idea originally was just looking at Lady Liberty. And saying, okay, well, what is it that we can put into our design that will teach people good principles, true principles, that will make this have, um, you know, the right spirit about it, the right purpose built into that money. And we wanted to create a true free market by creating a free market currency that could circulate. So we thought about Lady Liberty, and that's when we looked into, well, why is Liberty a lady? Why is justice a lady? Well, it goes back to a, a Roman tradition of trying to symbolically depict uh, the virtues or lessons of life in the form of a woman who would then embody those virtues symbolically. Uh, and that's why uh, she's, Lady Liberty is usually holding a light, for example, to light the way. And Lady Justice is blindfolded because she's impartial. Things like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and so as we looked into it, we, we found out there's a... There's a several others cardinal virtues they call them main the main virtues and uh, oftentimes they would appear at, um, near the entrance of any roman temple and we thought you know what this is a fun idea let's let's take the history and the symbology like you know the the state flower and the state bird and stuff like that of every place that we do this and work it into the notes so that each goldback will will teach something that is hopefully a virtuous lesson but yeah it basically means every goldback has a woman on it none of them have a man but uh it's because they're symbolic. It is what it is, right? You yeah. Know. So you, the owner, or the creator, the founder of Goldback is also a Mormon. You yourself are a Mormon. I don't know a whole lot about Mormons, but one of the people that I watch on TikTok and YouTube is a Mormon named Dan McClellan. And as I understand it, I, he never really talks about politics. He's a, he's a theologian. He talks about Christian history and stuff. Tremendously intelligent guy. Very enlightening. And I, I see similar characteristics in you, for example, uh, Two years ago, I think it was, you said to me that Satanism is a denomination of Christianity, technically. And like that was something <laughs> I had never thought about before. And you're absolutely correct. But uh, all of that said, what it, it seems to me as though there is some common ground, some, some philosophical common ground between Mormonism and libertarianism, some, some belief that humans can be and should be better than we currently are, that, that we are beautiful but flawed creatures, but we should be motivated by love and compassion and understanding more so than any of these other things. And Libertarians puts those characteristics first, and as mm-hmm. far as I can tell from the Mormons that I've interacted with in a very limited way, mm-hmm. they tend to also put those characteristics first, ahead of, like, ahead of traditional values or whatever mm-hmm. other ideas they may hold. Uh, Mormonism actually has this concept. Uh, called, we call it the plan of salvation. It's the idea of the path of the human soul throughout the cosmos, right? The, the path of life. And this life is only one small aspect of a, a broader thing. So we believe in a pre-mortal existence, that before we were born, we had a spiritual existence or essence already. And the reason I bring this up is because this is a very libertarian idea. So basically, if you tell this to any Mormon that you want 
to make a libertarian, you can really point out that Mormonism is a libertarian religion. So we have this idea that that it existed before before birth. So what were we doing? What were all these spiritual entities doing? Well, in this spiritual world, before this world was created, uh, we believe that there was a great conflict, a great question, and that conflict and question was about freedom. It was about agency. Well, uh, okay. We believe that the enemy of mankind... Um, generally associated with Satan, therefore, or the devil, um, was attempting to take away the freedom of mankind, trying to say, no, man will be in my image, man will do as I say, and I will therefore make a perfect creation, because that perfect creation must be obedient to all that I say and do. Are you suggesting that Yahweh would be the devil in this figure? Um, you or know, I, I do recognize from a Satanist viewpoint. Because that's um, what I would argue, and right. I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, so, but our, our view was that Yahweh had the opposite view. And that Yahweh said, no, man must have their agency. Because, okay. if they, if, because if they cannot choose, if they cannot choose evil or good, if they cannot do whatever they please, they will never be able to grow into the stature that they're meant to become. And in Mormonism, that goal, and this is one of the reasons why most people find Mormonism blasphemous, that goal is to become a god. It's to become perfected. It's to become perfectly embodied, perfectly realized in all divine attributes. Have these people not read the Bible? Because like, apotheosis <laughs> and deification are like common threads in the Bible of a person. Right? Like, like, at one point, mm-hmm. God, I think, refers, I think one of the Psalms says that ye gods and refer to all mm-hmm. of them. All, All the, the people, yeah, right, and so yeah, the so th- this is a very libertarian idea. I believe that really sits at the heart of Mormonism. And so, if you ever meet an authoritarian Mormon, you can be like, "Hey, you know, isn't that the devil's plan?" And they will know what you're talking about because there's this concept in Mormonism: that the devil's plan was to take away our freedom, and that God wants us to have our freedom because only through our experience can we truly become gods. I like that idea, and you know, it. it it, it coincides with a lot of what I believe as well, which is that yeah. the, our goal here as existing creatures is to to become better, is to use the rope that we have, not to hang ourselves, mm-hmm. but to to you know cast it up there and climb it to new heights and become better. How cool is that, right? I mean, sometimes the outwardly it appears different, but I love the idea that a Mormon elder and a, uh, a priestess of satan can actually find that we actually have more common ground than difference and that's the type of thing that seems to happen at a place like pork fest you know we all want our freedom and we find common ground it's truer than not in my experience Uh, but one of the issues i have with the internet and social media is that it causes people to focus more on their differences than their similarities and i mean this has always been an issue with human beings we we sort of do that if you have 100 people in a room you're not going to focus on how they're similar you're going to focus on how they're all different Right. And social media sort of embodies that. It, it causes people to divide themselves into smaller and smaller groups and be more and more hateful and vicious toward one another. But really, we we all there's a lot more common ground between you and I than mm-hmm. we have with the elites. And that that's one of the points I try to make to some of the status, some of the authoritarians is like, look, I don't care that you hate trans people, that you hate Satanists or whatever. None of that really matters. You and I still have a whole lot more in common than you have in common with Donald Trump. And I realize that Donald (laughs) Trump is telling you what you want to hear, but he's exploiting you. And the reality is that he's using your hatred of me 
to boost himself, right? Right. And and that's the divide and conquer tactic that the politicians are always using against us. Uh, they, because of course, if we were united, we'd be unstoppable. Yes. Uh, and uh, but that's that's how power works. If they can make if they can make us be divided, then it's easy to keep us under their control. And this is why uh, you know I think that the the prison, the real prison of totalitarianism, the the real um, oppression. It exists in our minds more than it exists anywhere else. I still remember vividly when I was in, in law school. I'm an attorney. Um, when I was in law school, I remember um, a, a professor uh, speaking with us, and he said, where is the government present? And I thought, well, the government's everywhere, right? I mean, like, we're in the – as long as we're within the sovereign borders of the United States and the government is here in some kind of, like, mental sense or something. I said, and he's like, no, 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 no. The, the laws about government – act." Uh, government action or inaction the government is only present where it is acting according to its commission which is the constitution and so there is no government present unless an agent of the government is acting okay and, 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 and i, I, I thought to myself, saying, oh my goodness so i'm like in my house and i'm thinking there's literally no government here i'm living in a state of anarchy right now unless i allow the oppression to be inside my own mind because there's no government agent here rummaging through my stuff with a lawful search warrant or something. Um, Have you heard of the prison experiment where they, they had no? It's just an experiment. It's a hypothetical one where they had no guard, no no walls, but they it was completely open. But if you reached a certain area, they would shoot you and kill you. And after a number of people had done this, people stopped trying to escape. And after a few generations of this, no one was trying to escape, and there was no longer any guard there in the first place, right? It, the people had been trained that if they tried to leave, they would be shot, so don't even try to leave. That's sort of similar to right. what you're saying. Is it, yeah. You're only imprisoned if you imprison yourself. Right, and we, of course we also oppress, oppress each other. Very true, we, sadly. We, because of these divisions, we end up oppressing each other. Uh, an example of that was an experiment they did with, uh, with a bunch of chimpanzees where they would uh, spray them all with a fire hose anytime one of the chimpanzees tried to climb a, a ladder to get out the top. And uh, then they slowly started replacing monkeys. Um, and because once they'd trained the monkeys to stop any other monkey from climbing the ladder, nobody would let anybody else go. We are going into overtime, so check us out at freetalklive.com. You can find our link to the podcast there. Ben and I are going to continue talking, and you will only be able to find that there. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Stay tuned. some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com